I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And, boy, that was an upbeat jump in for I'm the week. I'm feeling good, man. It's Monday. It's Monday, baby. Well, Woo-hoo! there's another reason to feel good. Okay. We, we have uh, one of our favorite guests. Yes, indeed. Not only of us, but our listeners. Yeah. Uh, Mike Shedlock, better known as Mish, is coming in. All right, let's get right to him. And we got to go. There you go. we got to go. Uh, our economic expert's coming in. He's going to talk to us about the latest developments economically got a lot of good things to talk about this week so with no further ado here's mike shedlock and we'll be back to wrap it up on future quake ladies and gentlemen welcome to the future quake show i'm dr future and i'm tom bionic and we have back one obviously one of the most popular guests we have on the future quake I feel show like we're getting like a real of all the people we get we get a lot of people that i think are celebrities but as far as people that i think are really celebrities Mish is pretty much at the top of that. Uh, the, the, the question is, I don't even know why he messes to bother with us for yeah, time. It's, you, it's an yeah. honor for us. But uh, Mish is one of our most popular and certainly relevant guests. It's a pleasure to have you back on Future Quake. It's a pleasure to be back on Future Quake. And your your visit today is your eighth with us, which moves. Is that a record? Well, I'm going to tell you uh, where you fall on the stat list. You you uh, now we pride ourselves in having a constant rotation of new people. Except nonstop. For, it's not like a, except for a few. <laughs> uh, we we're not like a lot of these uh, folks who have the same people like once a week or once a month. Um, but it moves you into a tie uh, from a tie at third to a tie at second place as most prolific guest, along with Peter Goodgame, uh, and who will raise the ante. He'll be appearing again after a year and in a few weeks from now. Uh, so anyway, you're moved up into a tie for second, Mish. I hope you appreciate that honor uh, that goes with oh. that. Absolutely, and I hope people enjoy having me on. Well, that goes well, to we that question. We enjoy having you on. Well, our, our <laughs> listeners do, too, from what they tell us. For details as far as your background, uh, I'm going to refer our newer listeners, just so you don't have to recite the same stuff over and over again, Mish, to review uh, many of your earlier shows you've done with us at futurequake.com if you'd like a little bit know more about the background of Mish, particularly when you'll be impressed by what he has to say here. Uh, but in the last year or so, it seems like your recognition on a national scale has just taken off. Uh, I know I listened to you last night. You've become basically a de facto regular on Coast to Coast. And when I listened to you last night, uh, the millions of people who listen there, they all rave over you and say, why don't they have you more of it? I remember one caller said that you should be on twice a week on there. Is that you remember that comment? Actually, I didn't hear that comment, but I, I have been on Coast to Coast. It's a pleasure to be on Coast to Coast with George Murray. And um, I, I appreciate that opportunity. I've been quoted a lot recently in the Wall Street Journal, uh, Cranes Chicago and Cranes New York Business, uh, Fortune Magazine, um, lots of other places. It, it, it's fun, and um, but what I like about it is 
is the emails and the things that come in from people telling me, well, you know, Mish, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, I didn't buy that house two years ago because right. you told me that prices were going to fall, and I listened to you, and prices fell, and I'm, and I'm so happy I didn't buy that house because I couldn't afford it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, those are the kinds of comments that I appreciate, and, and certainly I have um, um, called the housing market, I think, uh, uh, right. pretty well here, and, well, and, yeah. I, and I hope I've helped uh, – uh, some of the readers on the Future Quake show as well, and much more than much more than that, you've called. Uh, in fact, uh, for our people who are regular readers of your blog, the the, the usual lineup of suspects there, uh, you perpetually get comments of people who you saved their shirt mm-hmm. uh, and for their family uh, in reading what you had to share uh, with. And of course, now you you become a darling of even other groups like the Wall Street Journal and others who uh, keeps an eye on your work as well too. But you know, of course, here at Future Quake, we take full credit for being king makers for making you a star. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's so not, Let's not underlook, overlook our We role. know this was a, a <laughs> tipping point for you is when you started coming on Future Quake. Have you noticed that, how things really took off for you after you appeared here on Future Quake? Uh, well, actually, it's true. That they, that that's <laughs> true. I, I, I don't know that you hold credit for that, but it, it, it's it's certainly a statement of fact. And, and, and it's again, it's a pleasure to be on. Well, save yeah. that for the archives, yeah, Tom. Yeah. Uh, we'll take that off in. that part about not knowing it was for us or not. Yeah, we, yeah, get, yeah. We, we got what we're we were looking for. We're going to use that for. for the bump for, for next week. Well, actually, you've answered uh, most of my first question, uh, Miss. You must have been around me long enough. I wanted to talk about some of the various uh, uh, media venues you've broken into lately. And I think you... Uh, you um, listed a large number of them, but 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 it is a fact now that that groups like Wall Street Journal and other ones actually come and check out what you have to say now. There's been a big change in the last year or two in how you're perceived, correct? I think so, and a lot of it has to do. Um, a, a lot of people didn't even believe what I had to say, and and first I was talking about the housing crash, and, and I knew that was coming, and I thought the housing crash was actually very easy to predict. The summer of 2005, Time Magazine had a cover on there, Why Were Gaga Over Real Estate? And I looked at that and it's like, Gaga Over Real Estate? Does sentiment get any more extreme than that? I don't don't think it does. And at the same time, uh, in Florida, people were camping out overnight, entering lotteries, hoping to be the lucky one to uh, be able to buy a condo. It can't even give condos away right now. Seriously, the, the no one wants them. Banks aren't even foreclosing on condos because if they do, uh, the homeowners association is going to come after them for property insurance, for hurricane insurance. A lot of these condos actually have negative value. Banks mm-hmm. don't even want to foreclose on them. Wow. I was, it's really amazing. I read one article from one person. He was actually begging banks to foreclose on them, and they wouldn't do it. What, I mean, what a big change, just <laughs> you know, literally months' time. And those people must seem so foolish about that. And to get things started, and there still is a uh, some group of uh, new folks, we add new listeners perpetually on here, who may not be familiar uh, with your work. And then we have a large group of people who now become regular readers of your blog because of your appearances here. But I, I want to start off, if you can give us sort of a State of the Union address on, on where we are and where we've come from in the last number of months. Um, you know, when, when you uh, mentioned to me on your bl- uh, blog, you made a note about uh, coming back on the show, I, I jokingly asked you on there if there was anything important economically that had happened over the last few months to talk about on the show. Uh, <clears throat> you know, even the most information-insulated person on the street 
now finally has some understanding that things are in a point of economic crisis now, even in spite of all the rosy projections of the, the mainstream media in the, in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, put, putting aside all the disinformation that's been put out by our government and the mainstream media about this topic, and, and I can only presume it's, they do that to try to save face for their failure to protect and inform us. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean we're not at the bottom? Well, uh, it's, yeah. not even, it's not uh, just the government. It, it's it's um, the, the whole media industry, CNBC, right. well, Bloomberg, saying, yeah. uh, the Kramer, all this hype over – over you know the bottom is in buy stocks now you know get in before it's too late you're even seeing it right now on uh you know with ads on vanguard and and they they post this long-term chart so well you know so in the stock market going back about 40 years well you know you know hold for the long haul well i'm sorry we got boomers here now facing heading into retirement the um, long-term buy-and-hold thesis has just been crushed. A lot of these people are down 30, 40, 50 percent or more just this year. That's not coming back, and these are boomers that are heading into retirement. Right. So when you're telling these boomers to invest for the long haul, it, it certainly wasn't appropriate. And yeah, the stock market came back from the the 2002-2003 bottom, but it came back on the basis of a housing bubble. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. There's not going to be another bubble. I suspect that uh, we are going to see stock market declines of 30 to 40% from here still. That would be one thing that I see coming up for next year. And for, and for people that are shocked, that are listening to this, not familiar with you, let me remind them that you have been very accurate right up to this point, including calling a virtual top on the market, also for the real estate. Uh, You are one of the few credible people on any kind of national level that are still left standing that you know that has any uh, credibility anymore so before people quickly dismiss what you just said then reflect on the fact of how uncannily accurate you've been up to now and uh, now other people are finally starting to echo what you're saying except you know the, these financial advisor uh, folks that we have that are telling people what you're just talking about in fact in, you know their flow chart no matter what happens out in the world their, their end point is always it's a good time to buy uh, I don't care if it's just plummeting like a rock. They'll say, oh, this is a great time to buy. Are you going to take advantage of dollar cost averaging, which they don't realize mathematically that's a zero-sum game if you keep adding into a downwardly moving market. Uh, I, I see all sorts of manipulation, and I wonder if, if in a few years uh, personal financial advisors are going to be seen in the public much like lawyers, politicians, used car salesmen, these kind of folks. Do you think they're earning that kind of reputation? Oh, I think so. It, it, it's bound to happen. People see that this is Enron all over again. Uh, we said, well, Enron was it. There was supposed to be regulation coming in on top of that. Well, it, it, it never came. The Fed ignored it. We even had a, a Fed chairman, William Poole, not chairman, excuse me, a member of, of the Fed, uh, William Poole, warned in explicit terms that Fannie Mae was going to blow up. And, and no one listened to this man. He was on the Fed. And now we're acting as if this is a surprise? Well, we've, mm-hmm. I've been talking about this for three years, saying that Fannie Mae was, was going to explode. Yet members in Congress, I mean, uh, uh, that's going to be another situation where uh, the people of the United States are just going to you know, turn against various members of Congress who 
Barney Frank, Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, behind all of these bailout programs. And then they warned us. They said, well, if if we don't pass this bailout program, the market's going to crash. Well, they passed the bailout program, cost taxpayers $700 billion, and the market crashed anyway. And, and, and where did that money go? That money is going now for bank mergers. That money is, is going for corporate takeovers. The money is going, and this one really galls me, is, is going for uh, dividends. And then Bush said just last week that it's, it's important to pay dividends so, so that people have money. Oh, my God. You know, the average dividend payer is, is holder is, is not some little old lady that's living off of that dividend mm-hmm. income. Uh, it, it's it's these big wealthy funds that that really is is being bailed out mm-hmm. by or attempted to be bailed out by all of this. We're seeing pension funds go to everyone was speculating. The, the California uh, Calpers pension fund speculating in commodities, speculation in all these mortgage backed securities. We had blatant lies from Wall Street. They had to know how bad this stuff was. But they didn't care. They were willing to pass it off to pension plans, other countries, uh, 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 state governments, housing, school districts are, are all getting hit by this. They had to know that this stuff was bad. They didn't care. It was a profit in for it. Wall Street, all they cared about was a, was a profit in for them. It didn't matter that this stuff was unethical. Uh, now, what got them in trouble was was they thought that, that they would be ahead of the curve, that they thought that they could mm-hmm. get out in time, that mm-hmm. they would save the best tranches for themselves and pass the garbage off to everyone else. Well, what happened is is they got stuck with as much they, – they ended up believing – you know that they were immune to this stuff. They ended up getting caught with their own garbage because everything fell apart. They Fast. took their greed too far. They they they, they overplayed well, their hand. They overplayed their hand, and now and now, prudent people who are who are paying their house payment, that are holding a job, that didn't get involved in any of this. Now they're they're going to the common taxpayers that, that didn't want to have anything to do with it. Some of who even saw that this coming and how ridiculous it is. They're, they're they're going to those taxpayers now to bail out these banks and and to bail out um, Goldman Sachs and to bail out Morgan Stanley. It's it's really infuriating. Next year, I am going to start a campaign to abolish the Fed. And um, we'll see how far it goes. But I'm going to start and launch another write-in, phone-in, fax-in that we had uh, um, preceding this bailout plan. And it was because of that phone-in and fax-in that uh, this plan didn't pass the first time. It was only pressure from from Paulson and uh, uh, Bush saying, well, we need to do this. Why are we listening to these guys? Paulson didn't see this coming. About three months ago, he, he assured us that this was the strongest global economy mm-hmm. he's ever seen. Right. And then all of a sudden, they need $700 billion for a taxpayer bailout. Well, he, he's so Why are we listening to people who are wrong? Why aren't we listening to people who are right? Why didn't we listen to, to some well, of the people? Either he was we, wrong they, or they he lied. This thing right. Either he's wrong or he out lied, lied to us. Right or, way, or a combination right of the two. Either way, needs to be gotten rid of. Yeah, and, and, and line the pockets of his Goldman Sachs uh, brethren there. Uh, I, I want to touch back on that because uh, it's almost like you're, you're, you're reading my questions in advance here, Vish, because these are the very things I wanted to bring up, how you energized – uh, a base that really showed how influential you were. But I, I want to talk that in a minute, but just to back up a couple steps, 
if someone asked you for a very, very brief summary of a couple of minutes of what has really transpired in the three months, looking back big picture, what would you say is the significance, looking in hindsight, of the last three or four months or so of how far we've come? What is the breadth of what has occurred, and where has it left us at? Well, it's it's global. Um, we are seeing the same thing here. We're seeing the Fed fight not inflation but deflation, and I'm one of the few that, that actually called this this thing correctly. I said that there would be deflation. I said that, that, that this debt bubble would blow up, and deflation, by the way, is, is not about prices. Deflation, deflation is about uh, money, supply, and credit, and credit on the books of banks is imploding. People have borrowed money off of their credit cards. They can't pay it back. They've borrowed on houses, home equity lines of credit. They can't pay that back. Those are imploding. Unemployment rate is starting to rise. Last December, I think I, even on even on your show, possibly, I said that unemployment would would be horrid, would rise. The jobs report would be bad right. every month in 2008. I said that in December of 2007. Unemployment rate was 4.7, 4.8% at the time. I said by the end of the year, it would be 6%. Right. And people looked at me, and they thought that I was nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I was optimistic. Because we hit 6% in, uh, uh, two months ago, and we're at 6.5% now, mm-hmm. and it's going to be 7 probably in the next two months, because I think unemployment is going to rise over the next two months. So now, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead at the implications of that. Unemployment is going to rise n- next year. I think we're going to go into to 2009 with unemployment at 7. It's probably going to rise two points wow. from there. It's going to be at 9, and that 9 is what they're going to report. Hey, Mish. At nine uh, is what they're going to report. Let me make sure I understand. Mish, let me make sure I understand. After Christmas season, does it normally go up because of the layoffs after the Christmas season's over? And also, with the if the automotive guys don't get the money they think, or if they go under anyway, could that also have a big bump up on on the unemployment as well? No. The f- the first part is no. The second one is yes. The okay. Um, the reason why it's no is they seasonally adjust this. Got it. So, okay. in, in other words, they take into account that, uh, right. that people are normally laid off uh, 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 over Christmas. But what we're going to see instead is is it will j- jump up beyond that, not because of the seasonal factor, but it's going to jump up just simply because the jobs aren't there. Retail stores are, are cutting back. They're not. They're planning on not having the same Christmas sales they had next year. So, in spite of that seasonal adjustment, we are going to see unemployment rise. So, it would be a mistake to attribute it to a, a, a normal January effect. The normal January effect would be none because they would take that into consideration. But it is going to spike because we are going to see massive store layoffs, and in fact, we're probably going to see them through the Christmas season. Circuit City went bankrupt the other day. Normally, they try and hold these these um, companies like that through the Christmas season so they can unload the merchandise. Mm-hmm. In this case, they said, you know, there was no way to pay this back. They just they just decided they wanted to liquidate this stuff and get it get get it done and over with. They realize that the Christmas uh, selling season is going to be a miserable one anyway, and rather than risk, you know, having that stuff not sell uh, um, after Christmas, and you know, because people are really tapped out, they just decided to go bankrupt now. That's a pretty bad sign. It's actually probably a smart thing for Circuit City to do, but we are going to see more of those linens and things with bankrupt. We're going to see mall closings, all these strip malls. All of this is going to start imploding. We don't need any more 
um, nail salons. We don't need any more pizza huts. We don't need any more Walmarts. So what is the driver for jobs? I keep asking that question, and people tell me, oh, uh, you know, everything's going to be fine. And so okay, everything's going to be fine. And my first question is, where is the source of jobs coming from? And this is what I've been saying for two years. As soon as the commercial real estate build-out was finished, that we were going to have a massive bust. And we are in that massive bust right now mm-hmm. because the commercial real estate build-out is finished. What happens is uh, commercial follows residential with a lag. We build all of these subdivisions, and then a little strip mall comes in, and then, a, and then more subdivisions go up, and more people move in out to the suburbs, wherever, and then the big mall comes in, and while all that stuff is going on, you got merchandise being trucked to stores, you got people being hired to, to fill those stores, but all the stores now, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, all cutting back on unemployment. People are eating out less at restaurants, so, so restaurant jobs are, are, are going. We're seeing places like Circuit City go under. We're seeing malls close. A mall in Ohio, a huge mall in Ohio went bankrupt the other day. And there's another one. The, I can't remember the city, but there's another one that I was reading about today. Huge mall, ready to go under. So all of this stuff is, is going to affect employment. The, uh, um, because the housing industry is in such a bad state, we're having uh, um, layoffs in the financial industry still. And with the mergers that are going on in banks that are, that are going to pick up, you know, uh, uh, we're going to see increased layoffs in banks. So all of this stuff are reasons why unemployment is is going to soar next year. And then one has to look at what that is, what rising unemployment is going to do to corporate earnings. Rising unemployment, people out of work don't buy cars. They're already scared to death. We're we're seeing, uh, we're going to see auto dealerships go bankrupt. They can't even get the funding from from GMAC. GMAC is going to go bankrupt. An analyst yesterday came out and put a price target of zero on GM. Now I've been saying that for years, right. but when the mainstream media Holy comes cow. out there, yeah, that's and, pretty low. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Talk about a buying opportunity. They put a price tar- I'm serious. Yeah. They put a price target of zero uh, um, on 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 General Motors. That means and, it's unlikely that stock will be undervalued by analysts. Zero is the appropriate valuation. Although, well, well, it's interesting you say that, though, uh, uh, Doctor Future, because because. The whole thing irritated me, and 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 this is why. And it was it was Barclays that that, that came out and said this. Uh, up until yesterday, Barclays had an, an equal weight rating on GM, hmm. and they downgrade GM uh, to underweight, not even to sell, just to underweight from from equal weight after GM fell to three dollars a share. Now I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. You know, people want to get advice from from Barclays or or any of these other analysts, and and they, and they come out and they they watch a stock fall from forty down to three, holding it at equal weight the entire time, and then and only then does, does Barclays come out and downgrade this thing. What, what's that all about? It why would anyone difficult. Why would anyone want to listen to this analyst from Barclays ever yeah. again? But they do, and these people never shut up. And they're on CNBC, and they're telling people, you know, why they should buy stocks and why they should get in GM bonds. Good Lord, anyone in GM bonds is likely to lose the whole thing unless the Fed steps in or the government steps in and, and, and bails out GM. They, they might do it, but they shouldn't. 
Hmm. Why should taxpayers bail out GM? I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. This is Doctor Future and Tom Bionic. <laughs> Another enthusiastic <laughs> I, man, opening. Man, I'm feeling good today. Well, I can tell. Yep. Um, we uh, get to like old times having Mish back. Uh, I know. Uh, sharing also, with I'm us. Feeling good. Also, he's pretty worked up in this interview. Isn't he, he gets fired up. Yeah. With an A. Well, uh, he gets some real cheery information for us. Talked about a stock market drop, thirty or forty percent more from now. Yeah, if if you know, at the time of this recording, the Dow Dow uh, is still at about eighty nine hundred. You're looking at a, you know, about uh, five thousand fifty two fifty. So, so this is boom time compared to this. Woo-hoo! And uh, you get your double double ultra short EEFs yeah. together. You know, most people have no idea what you're talking okay. about. Um, but I'm also not that sure what I'm saying either. <laughs> unemployment is going to be a bad scene. Yes, he did. It sounds he like it's that. going to be really yeah. bad. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't mean we don't mean to be negative, but it's better you know these kind of things. Well, you got to be truthful about stuff and go in defensive mode. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation with somebody last night. hadn't seen me in a in about nine months. Yeah. Uh, in my former life, I was a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you're we still were, a great musician, though. Well, I'm slipping quite a bit because I'm not practicing no. eight hours a day. But uh, I saw him, and he said, hey, what the heck have you been doing? And I said, oh, you know, I just I feel like the economy is going down the drain, and uh, we need to get into it. And he got real defensive and said, oh, man, I just got to focus on the love. Ah, focus great. on the, the love. love. Well, you know, Christian folk a lot of times don't want to talk about stuff like this. They think it's negative, and it's not trusting in the Lord. And there's something, I mean, ultimately we have to trust in the Lord, but the Bible says over and over again you have to be prepared for days like this. Mm-hmm. The book of Proverbs is just filled with prudent people. Save a little money for the rainy day. I don't remember that song being in there, but I take your word for it. Uh, but the principles there, and uh, certainly Joseph prepared people for it, and over and over again. And someone who can prepare us for things is Merv. Uh, he can tell you how Indeed. to contact us. So Merv, come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us here on Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We're well, folks, wrap up. it's been great having you with us here on Future Quake. We uh, just got to go. Until next time. I'm just doing a uh, Tomism. Yeah. Un- until next time. Now, don't uh, tell them their future's bright. bright. That is my line. Future's very bright. <laughs> we hope your future's very bright, and we'll try to be sort of normal tomorrow. God bless you, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And we are going into our second installment with our old friend Mike Shedlock, better known as Mish. Here we go. The blogmaster of the Global Economic Analysis blog. And one of our favorite haunts for oh, us to hang out. The second coming of the great economist. It's changed uh, a lot of worldview of us, how the world oh, works. Oh, boy, it? no kidding. 
Not that it supplants the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate roadmap and book yeah. of understanding the world. But someone who has an expertise in it, it's really helped explain what's going on. He made some – well, and we got into this Monday. We got into this yesterday. He made some great calls about uh, uh, the housing crash. Mm-hmm. He totally predicted that, uh, and he was seems to be completely correct about his deflation call as well. Basically, everybody needs to read his blog. Everybody yes. needs to read it, and you need to take financial actions, commiserate with mm-hmm. what you learn there. Globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com. He has saved the shirt of innumerable people, mm-hmm. as we mentioned mm-hmm. during the show. Yes. And so we, we heartily recommend it to everyone. Um, he uses good, prudent advice that's sound and um, debunks a lot of the stuff you hear from your garden variety financial planners. Yes. And no, uh, Kramer now, on, no Kramer on Mish. Wall Street Journal, uh, Coast to Coast, all these other kind of places recognize uh, the wisdom mm-hmm. of what he shares. So we, I guess you all would like to hear some of his wisdom, so we better get out of the way. Let's let's hear some wisdom. Mish, come in and tell us some more stuff. Uh, we want to hear more of what you have to say. And when we'll be back to discuss it further on Future Quake. I, I want to, to look back to, again, back to the last three or four months. It seems like to me there's a whole lot of precedents. Uh, taboos that have been broken in in the whole idea of the free market economy. A number of them just happened in rapid-fire fashion that that were accepted so quickly that only a few people like yourself fully understand the magnitude of how we've crossed the Rubicon uh, in in terms of a free market. Uh, Obviously, people are talking about us having become a socialist society, and and in fact, we've we've even elected a a president-elect that's sort of consistent with that approach. But what in what kinds of dimensions have we really broken the whole classic idea of what we hold our hat on being a free market capitalist society? What different dimensions of things have occurred in the last few months, Mish, that are sort of like a point of no return, you know, of of not turning back that we've done with our government in our economy? Well, the biggest the biggest one was this last seven hundred billion dollar bailout, and then and then how to spend the money. Paulson asked for a blank check on how to spend this money. And, and so Congress foolishly went along with him, and it was supposedly under the guise for, for you know, banks to lend. And, but some of the banks didn't even want the money because of the strings attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paulson called uh, uh, nine of the top banks in the country to the get. The CEOs were sitting in a room, and he said, before you leave today, you're going to sign this paper. And on this piece of paper, it says, that we're going to give you $125 billion of this taxpayer money, and you're going to take it, and you're going to pay us 5% interest on it. And Wells Fargo said, well, what if we don't need the money? And Paulson said, you're going to take it anyway. So here they are. They're forcing money. <laughs> That's an offer you can't at, at refuse. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Forcing banks to take this money on conditions that don't make any sense. The well, Where can you lend money at? And, and and get a good 5% with no risk. Besides that, these corporations, the, these banks, lending institutions, they're all in trouble because they lent recklessly. And now we've got Congress, Paulson, and the Fed robbing the taxpayers to give money to these banks, telling them to go lend it. When we just talked that we don't need any more pizza huts, we don't need any more wall nail salons, we don't need any more anything. We have overcapacity. We're overloaded in production of junk. One of the problems with the auto sector is we're manufacturing too many autos. 
We're looking at you know, you know these auto sales. The only reason why auto sales got as high as they did is for the same reason that home sales got as high as they did. GMAC, GM, Ford, Chrysler, all offering subprime loans to anyone that could breathe. Zero percent credit, where you'd be a fool not to buy a car, even if you couldn't afford it. Yes, and and so they did, and now they're out of a job, and now these cars are being repossessed, and 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 there's no market for them. Hmm. The dealer lots are loaded with sixty thousand dollar Hummers, when no one wants these things. Now, we're going to have to auction these things off at enormous losses. We're going to see two thousand. Deal, auto dealerships in the country go bankrupt. I, I, I promise you, it's going to yeah. happen, and, and I might be optimistic. All right. Well, let me let me ask you. It just seems like to me, you, you know, you're talking about the government uh, forcing people in industry and commercial world to do stupid things that are self-defeating just to show that they did something to move something, even if it's wrong. And it it seems like to me that is a mindset that you could possibly trace back to the era of the New Deal or something akin to that. Whatever evolved and where we are in the area of welfare, where we we basically pay people not to work, we pay farmers not to grow crops, we pay them to, to you know, plow crops under the ground. We pay other people to do destructive behavior in our tax code or, or, you know, whatever our plans are for public assistance. And it seems like it's infected our government officials so much and even our whole society that, that they want to do stuff, even if it really makes no logical sense of long-term, you know, benefits, just to show they did something. Do, do, do you think that's something systematic in our thinking? Oh, I don't know what that is, but, but that, that is certainly is a part of the problem. I heard numerous times uh, uh, over the last month or two, well, we got to do something. Right. Well, no, it was doing something that caused the problem. It was it was trying to create affordable housing so that we created Fannie Mae. Well, Fannie Mae created an artificial demand for houses from people who couldn't afford them. So the government steps in and says, okay, well, we'll, we'll give you the money. We'll lend you the money to buy these things. And then the home builders started these, programs up where uh, I think it was blatantly illegal, but they, they provided free down payments. Well, those free down payments came from the home builders, but they also jacked up the price of the house by the amount of the free down right. payments. Right. And, and so we're seeing all of these crooked activities, and then you know people, oh, my God, this is my chance to buy a house, my chance to get in on it. No. By the time... By the time the money trickles down to the little guy, the little guy is going to get screwed. The, the, the inflation benefits people who have access to the money first. In other mm-hmm. words, the right. banks and the brokerage houses. Look at all the hundreds of billions of dollars in bonus money that Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanton, all these people paid all these bonuses over the years on, on inflated profits. These weren't even these weren't real profits, but they were able to take these uh, uh, mortgage ob- CDOs, collateralized debt obligations, take all these you know commercial paper, mortgage loans, pawn it off you know to to school districts, and then and they paid themselves hundreds of billions of dollars in bonuses on that. Then when they got stuck with their own garbage, now the taxpayers, the school district, everyone else has to pony up to bail out these banks and brokerage houses. That's what's going on. No sense of social responsibility. It is. It, it irritates me to no end. People can probably hear it in my voice. 
I'm going to start a campaign sometime next year once this new Congress settles in to eliminate this nonsense. And the way to eliminate it is to get rid of the Fed and to get rid of fractional reserve lending. That's what needs to happen. We need to get back to sound lending practices. We need to get back to where banks lend money and hold loans for the term of the loan rather than securitizing those loans and selling it to some poor sucker school district to get stuck now and taxpayer bonds have to go up to to bail out this this Wall Street jerk that that made hundreds of billions of dollars pawning this garbage off on the nation. Well, Mitch, let me uh, let me just get our listeners caught up to speed with this because uh, what you have done as a preamble to this is something that drew in Tom and I, and we we were. We were troops right there alongside you in the middle of this regarding the bailout. Um, you know, it seems like that, that you recently uh, deviated from, from your purely educational and analytical role you normally take by, by as you said, evidently being fed up with, the, with what I call the blatant and unaccountable actions by our government to line the pockets of their financial cronies and, and really to disregard the Constitution by instituting unprecedented draconian socialistic control over our economy. And initiating a campaign that you did amongst your readers on your blog to fax, email, and otherwise contact all the senators and congressmen to say no to the recent bailout bill. Yep. I mean, you really took an activist role and do that, and everybody got on board that I could tell on on your blog. Uh, and and Tom and I enthusiastically Tom and, participated. Tom and Dr. Future did, and we want to say thank you for organizing that. That was. Uh, well, and thanks for energizing us. Yeah. Our faxes were humming like you wouldn't yeah. imagine. And if if you remember uh, Tom over here, he he had everybody in his office involved. You I actually had, well, used I this got, way to educate. Yeah, I got a I got a Metro fax account, and then was telling everybody in my office, and they were using the office fax machines to send the stuff. And the second to last day, I guess of that whole fax campaign, I convinced them all to just give me some money so I could open up Metrofax accounts in their name and was actually sending out faxes <clears throat> for myself uh, as well as them. So, Well, uh, <laughs> keep, keep those fax machines there on, on the side. There were a lot of faxes because, coming out of that. Because, because of we, we are going to start up again, Good. and I'm going to have a campaign. I want to volunteer from every legislative district in the country. I want to volunteer someone that understands sound money, understands sound economic principles, to meet with their legislature, legislator and uh, um, go over why this bailout is wrong, go over what we need to do to get this you know, country you know, back and running, to how to get this country on a sound money supply, how to get rid of the Fed. That's what I want to do. We're going to start that up, and, and, I'm, and I'm optimistic here. Yeah, I, yeah, I really right. am. Maybe I'm nuts. But uh, uh, we'll see. Well, you you got to start with an idea, well, and 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 that is my idea. And I'm going to try. And uh, people got energized behind uh, Obama. And uh, you know maybe we can uh, uh, capture some of that imagination of the youth and get them involved in this because it's their future at stake that we're spending right, right. right now. Well, they haven't seen change, so they see what Mitch does. Yeah. And let me just tell you what what our our friend Tom Bionic here has done. He initiated a few months ago. Uh, something that's now become an a, a monthly documentary night at a downtown church that has a lot of uh, 
activist young people involved in this church. And uh, in fact, this what Saturday they're going to be showing America Freedom to Fascism yep. by Aaron Russo mm -hmm. that exposes a lot of this kind of stuff. And these people are right. Uh, behind this, and you know, this would be a great time to mention Misha's yeah. uh, crusade going on to get people ready to get involved, yeah. because you're going to have a lot of yeah. angry people after they see this documentary. At, well, yeah, and at nine percent, you know, a couple months from now, at nine percent unemployment, we're going to have a whole lot more <laughs> yeah. angry people. Be, oh, well, yeah, let, let's actually talk about unemployment here for a second, because don't, don't you know, I said nine you percent know, reported. Actually, already, there's a line on the unemployment report. This is a government number. Right. You know, mm -hmm. nothing that's made up. It's, it, it's on line, it's called U6. It's hidden in something called Table A12. But you can actually, page if you 30. can find Table A12 <laughs> and go to the bottom line. Did you hear him, Tom? He said page, uh, Tom said page 30. He knows exactly yeah. the table you're talking about. It's on page, you know, it's, it's, well, it's Table A12 and it's line U6 on, on, on that table. Yeah where the, the government buries what the true measure of unemployment is. And, and what they do is they add in all the people that um, were receiving unemployment benefits, but whose benefits have were expired. So if you're receiving unemployment benefits and those benefits run out, you're no longer considered unemployed. And if you're working part-time 10 hours a week and you want to work a full-time job, well, that's not considered unemployed either. Yeah. And um, if you think that no one is going to hire you because of your age, you're discouraged, you give up, you're not counted as employed either, even if you want a job. You add in all of those those things. And and right there on line U6, the, the current percentage of unemployment is 11.8%. And um, if if we counted unemployment the same way they do in Europe, a lot of those numbers would be uh, uh, added back in, and it would be somewhere uh, uh, 10, 11 percent at least. Mm -hmm. But no, we are reporting 6.5. You know, that's the lie. That's the, that's the distortion out there. If if you know how to find the real number, it's right there. Mm -hmm. it, it, they don't even hide it. It it's right there in, in the report. But, you know, you have to go to line U6 and table A12 right. to find things. Well, you, you've, you've, it's dumbed down society is the problem in our education, and that reflects on how they run their political campaigns now. They, uh, they, they rely on that to uh, move stuff so they can have, you know, secrets and open sight here. What yeah. they do. But let me just mention really quickly to our listeners what, what are the ramifications of what you did on this last bailout. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mish, but I, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal or another major publication that actually referred to you in your campaign to energize people to, to fax and contact their congressmen and how they thought that had a major role in the initial vote down in Congress uh, of the bailout bill is that am I saying that correct? I believe you are. In fact, there's there's no doubt about that. The I think um, a lot of people were shocked when that bill didn't pass the first. Right. The, and then they picked up that scare and intimidation machine where uh, yes. they started putting the full court press, both Democrats and Republican leadership, put the press. In. And, in fact, I remember one congressman, Brent Sherman, I believe, in California, who sat on the floor from Congress that he was told by administration officials uh, to expect martial law. Yeah, if, I remember if hearing that, too. He and other guys had heard that if they didn't vote for this bailout right. bill. Uh, and we were told that the market would crash. It crashed anyway. We were, we, we were told there would be martial law. 
we, we were told unimaginable consequences. Well, it went up dramatically yeah. when it was voted down, and the very moment they took the vote and voted it in, it just started dropping. Yeah. It basically kept dropping. Yes. Big old swan. And so it was the antithesis of. But I, I tell you, here's what I observed, Mish. Just uh, in my involvement of sending these things in, you know, and I I tried to get our local representative and uh, senators on our our show here and talk to their press secretaries. Their press secretaries, Mish, were calling me. Uh, at home and speaking to me as a nobody for a half hour or more each time they called. And basically what what they were telling me, here's some of the things they were telling me. One, that their constituents basically spoke out about this issue regarding the bailout more than any other in their memory in their office as far as contacting them. Uh, also that the feedback by their constituents was almost entirely against the bailout, yeah, you know, 300 to 1 or, or more. And also that they were getting pressure from their leadership of both parties to approve it anyway. And then they confessed to me personally that they did not have a clue what was going on economically in their offices. And each one of them, my, my congressman, my two senators, asked if I could fax the information of yours from your blog to them for them to review in their staff meetings because they didn't have any idea about even the material inside the bill. They had not read the bailout bill. They did not know the uh, the little time bombs in there, or the fact that it, there was no judicial review that was allowed for it. Uh, so they, you know, but what I don't understand, Mish, and maybe you can explain this to me, how come with all this, uh, you know, vehement opposition to it by the public, it appears to me that most of these guys were voted back into office anyway. Uh, do you think were they actually held accountable for their vote on this bailout bill? In this last election cycle, what have you observed? The I think very few of them were. I think, you know, what happened in the last election, and by the way, I got every state right but one. I called every state right but one uh, in, in June, too. I mean, not at the last minute looking at the latest polls or anything. You're talking about the presidential the election? The presidential election, yes. Uh, uh, guess which state showed me up? Uh, well, Missouri was one Missouri the showed minute. me up, yeah. yes, in Missouri, the show me state. Well, I guess Missouri showed you, yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the only state that I got wrong. But I think people were, were, you know, just tired of the Republican administration, and I just think they just went in there and just voted Democrat. Now, in, in some areas where... You know, um, you know, maybe they said, well, we're just going to throw the bum out regardless of who the bum was. But uh, uh, the the pickups were, were such that uh, um, I, I think it was just an anti-Bush vote. Certainly he has the lowest rating of any president in history, an approval rating of, of right around 20 percent. I don't know if it dipped below that or not, but right around 20 percent, lowest rating of any president in history. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I think Nero actually had a higher rating. By the I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know who yeah, doesn't yeah. have a higher rating than Bush. Yeah. So you know, we'll see. Now, I'm not enamored. I I wrote in Ron Paul, by the way. So you know, don't right think on. that I'm a big. Uh, I don't want anybody to you know get the idea that I'm a big Obama fan here or anything. But um, I would rather have had Obama than Bush and or or McCain. Obama, I think, is at least going to do some things right. And Bush didn't do anything right, as far as I'm concerned. Bumbled uh, uh, Katrina, bumbled the war in Iraq, uh, uh, bumbled uh, uh, the economy, uh, tax pause, uh, building up the size of the government, uh, screwed up the Medicaid, you know, bill. All this stuff was done under Republican administration. The, 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 the party of small government added more government waste 
than 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 any administration in history. Yeah, that's the biggest lie of eight years, right there. The small government party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they should have listened to the comedian Pat Paulson when he ran. You know, on, on his platform in '68, he said we we should quit sending all this money to support foreign military dictatorships and keep it to support the one we have right here. <laughs> <laughs> that is about right, and and I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, Obama gets that right, pulls the troops out of Iraq, uh, uh, stops this nonsensical talk about uh, uh, doing something in Pakistan, and uh, you know what might be best if we just even forgot about Bin Laden. Uh, it, you know the guy's probably dead now, and, and you know we might be hunting for a dead man for the next 20 years. So uh, uh, we need to do something here in the United States rather than spending money dropping bombs in, in Iraq. Um, maybe maybe we should be providing jobs, building infrastructure here in the United States. At least so we, we get something a, for our stop money. Stop a that war. Way. Stop a war due to lack of interest. Uh, people are tired of war. No question about it. Okay. All right. Well. Um, you know, all this talk right now, uh, and by the way, I guess I need to bring a little closure to what we were talking about looking in hindsight. Basically, some of the things that have been broken now, our government now not only has stakes in banks, but as I understand, we own part of an insurance company AIG, now. AIG, yes. And it includes mm -hmm. Tom and I and you, Mish. I think, don't we all own parts of that? Well, I think even the latest news is that they're having to give them another loan on the same asset. Oh, another $37 billion. You yeah, bet yeah, I was going to say that I read that right. But yeah. don't worry. The government says we're going to make money on this. Oh, this yeah, we're going to make true. money. And, and did you see what they said about Fannie Mae, too? Fannie Mae uh, uh, has finally admitted today that they have negative net worth, and we're going to need <laughs> – seriously, Fannie Mae said that. Uh, and oh and we're going to need $100 billion to bail out Fannie Mae here. And we were well, told that, we were, that taxpayers are going to get their money back. Get their money back. Taxpayers are ponying up another $100 billion right now for Fannie Mae. It's all get our money back. And the same thing, AIG, $37 billion. Now they're talking about bailing out the car companies. And I read one today. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. But the music industry. Is 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 worried about uh, 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 the music industry wants to be bailed out and said everyone is lining up. For, right, don't for forget Philadelphia. Home builders want to bail out. Philadelphia and wants one. Philadelphia says everybody else gets one. They want one. Well, yeah. Well, do you want you know, Why aren't they bailing us out? Well, yeah, because there's no place where to stop. So, I mean, if, if they're bailing out everybody. In fact, you know, they're talking about how much better we'll be since Wall Street couldn't make these other businesses successes. The government now is going to and make it work out. And it seems like I remember, didn't Vladimir Lenin take the same approach where they took well, state yeah. ownership of I mean, these really, industries and it was supposed to be to, so much really better? If you want to get down to uh, a state ownership, you can go right back to the planks of communism and see that I believe the second or third yeah. plank was uh, – the national, a central bank. So it, we'll, we'll get to hurry up and uh, maybe wait three years for a pair of shoes now sure. that we own uh, these kind of businesses. the washing machine that takes a decade to get. We're back at Future Quake Central here with Dr. Future. And Dr. Tom Bionic. I'm not really a doctor. I just stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of wise guys, uh, Miss shared a whole lot of information with us yes. and tried to explain just a small taste 
of the foolishness and corruption our government's yes. been doing lately. It's another level. Uh, I highly recommend everybody check out a book called Creature from Jekyll Island if you ever get a chance. I've heard people never look at the world the same after reading that book. Seriously. I believe it's it's and it's correct. Yeah. Uh they talk about they talk about how Jackson, President Jackson and Nicholas mm-hmm. Biddle fought over the second or maybe third central bank and how Biddle intentionally crashed the economy because he didn't want to give up the central banking powers. Wow. Oh, it's heavy. Not that that could ever happen today, of course. Of course not. Yeah, I know that was the major battle Andrew Jackson had was to destroy the uh, national bank because he put it his was political real put his political career on the line for his regular re-election. He recognized how dangerous yes. it was. Uh-huh. And uh, Ron Paul, yeah, his recent announcement was he wanted to be the next guy to bring down, uh, you know, federal That's fine bank. With me, let's do it. Yeah. Well, uh, Mitch talked about a lot of things in this about. What happens when the government starts running things like shoving money down people's throats, first banks and mm-hmm. then banks elsewhere, yeah. even when there's no demand for it, even when there's no prudent loans to be made, yep. they're going to force it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I mean, they're trying to keep up uh, an overcapacity situation. You know, like Mitch said, we right. have overcapacity. So they're trying to continue this. Don't let it naturally readjust. Just yeah. artificially yes. keep it going. Well, don't, why don't they ever learn when they see centrally led uh, economies like communism and things fail miserably, but they want to keep doing it? I mean, a lot of it is they're lining the pockets of their cronies and banks. Sure, sure. Well, there's a good point to be made that many of these peoples are Fabian socialists and don't even know it. Boy, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Oh, boy. But speaking of fish, we need to bring Merv in to tell you how you can contact us at Future <laughs> what Quake. What does he have to do with I have no fish? idea. Come on, Merv. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. All right. Let's just get out of here. Okay. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Come back for the next installment. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am most definitely Tom Bionic. Um, um, greater than 50-50 chance. Much better than 50-50 Or your cyborg equivalent. <laughs> Resistance is futile. That's right. <laughs> our future. Uh, we are, uh, have Mike Shedlock, better known as Mish, our guest this week from the Global Economic Analysis blog. Yeah. And uh, we've had a fascinating discussion. Yeah. This guy is to be taken seriously because mm-hmm. of his impeccable record at predicting the yeah. peak he in missed, the stock market, yeah, housing, missed, and the overall yeah. economy. He missed the top of the stock market, he said, by like less than 2%. Yeah. You know, I mean, come right. on. Right. That's that's good enough to short. That's right. And yeah. he knew he knew exactly what he was doing in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, finally, other people have come to appreciate him and his work. And you should appreciate it. Listen carefully to this show. Our show can only give you a little taste. He, he doesn't go into all the really in-depth economics analyses he does. To just yeah. He just hits on the show with hard data and facts. 
Yeah. Highly recommend you go to the blog. If you doubt what he says, go to the blog, study what he says. Yeah. The guy's blog, incidentally, is like Herculean when it comes to the amount the he work publishes. It is, and it's free. And it's free. Yeah. The guy is a saint. Yeah. Do you have his address? Uh, GlobalEconomicAnalysis.blogspot.com. Yeah, it's also one. at FutureQuake.com. Just look it up yeah. there. But uh, one would l- let you uh, come check him out. So in the meantime, this is uh, Mike yeah. Shedlock, yeah, Better Knows Mish, and then we'll be rolling. right back yeah. to talk on FutureQuake. Now, now, do you really Great. think, Mish, that uh, with Obama in charge, he's going to dial back government taking over all of these entities? I thought that's really more in line with what he chooses to do. Um, I don't know whether he does or not. I hope he does. Um, it'll it'll yeah. be in different ways. It will be uh, – um, I'm hoping that they cut military expenses. I don't know that they will. I'm hoping right. that they do. Uh, um, certainly he's not going to reduce spending. Well, actually, I think spending – a reduction in spending is easy to accomplish. We pull the troops home from Iraq. We give some of those fine soldiers – uh, 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 who fought over there, some of them who had no idea why they were even fighting over there. They were just in the service and said, uh, mm-hmm. Uncle Sam said, well, we don't hear you go. But give those soldiers first crack at some of these jobs, the infrastructure jobs that, are, that, that, that we need to build. So when these How about work- give them a house? Just give them one of these houses that are left over. Well, that may not be too far off. Really. Yeah, huh. well, see, you know, you can't, well, you can only give them the house if the government owns it. So and and no, I'm not in favor of giving anyone a house. But but uh, you know, if, if we're going to have a job rebuilding bridges and roads right, or something, right. I don't mind giving someone a job, especially sure. you know those people. They should we shouldn't have been over there in the first place. But but right. but by God, you know we owe these guys something somehow. Sure, so sure. Uh, uh, that's what I'm looking. And but, you know something we didn't mention earlier, and I, and, and I want to get in here. The uh, people can find me on my blog. Need to do a uh, it's um, it's a mouthful. Global Economic But the easy way to find me um, do a Google search for Mish M I S H. You can find my blog. I talk about all these topics every day. Um, what's happening with with industrial bond yields and uh, the battles over lending and uh, and daycare? That's another interesting one. Yeah. Uh, 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 let's talk about daycare for a second. People- well, let me before you do that. Let me just give a disclaimer for our listeners. I need to warn my listeners because see, we put your uh, uh, listing on there, your link on our website every time you're on. It's up there, but I have to warn people it is incredibly addictive, and you will probably get a whole lot less done yeah. in time if you go to his blog. Because it is the place to see and be seen, uh, reading your blog every day, several times a day, because you're such a prolific poster, multiple times a day. And you meet the most fascinating people, the people mm-hmm. who comment on your blog. Yeah. And I can tell you there's a lot of people who that affiliate with our show who have lost so many usable work hours because they've become addicted to your blog, yeah. Mish, and you're responsible for that. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm responsible hard. for negative productivity uh, yes. in a big way. <laughs> yes, and now <laughs> well, they're learning we have, something, though. At least uh, I hope good, they are. Thing, good thing we have negative value companies because that yeah, yeah. makes them negative is the way to go these days. So I just want to tell our people that uh, you, you can't go wrong uh, reading Mish's blog. And uh, there's people who have personally told us, just like they tell you online, that it has really saved their shirt and protected their families from what yeah. they've learned. I remember reading a comment right when I started reading you that was – it started out and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You saved my, uh, you saved my retirement account. 
I can't thank yeah. you enough. Yeah. And I remember seeing that right after uh, December or maybe January. Or We're something. lucky to get one or two thank yous from listeners yeah. on our end, and we never Usually saved we a penny. we just get, like, tomatoes yeah, we never, the we never we drive the, out of the compound. Right. Well, back to daycares. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, back to daycare. That, that's, that's another sign of trouble. We, we, we've got um, uh, parents pulling their kids out of daycare. They can no longer afford it. Uh, uh, the, and we're going to see more of it. We're going to see daycare, daycare places close. Some of them are going to close because the, the, the lack of volume. And then some of them are going to make the mistake and probably try and jack up rates to make up for the loss of business. And then that's going to drive, you know, more people away. And then others are, are going to have to reduce rates, to, you know, to try and get some of those kids in there to survive. And that's what we're going to see. We're, we're seeing, downward pressure actually on prices on wages people are going to want a job and i have people writing me you know one person had a hundred and seventy thousand dollar a year job and he was offered something for uh uh seventy five thousand and i said you better take it because uh, you know i don't know how they were you know or why he was being paid a hundred and seventy thousand for what this person was doing, but seventy-five thousand dollars—a lot of people would jump at that job, and it's—it's—it's right. it's, it's very tough for someone, you know, laid off in in the the you know home building industry, you know, to, to, to even get a job offer that oh. they better take them, and right. people need to be practical, and, and we talked about it. every time on the show we talk about it. I, telling people they need to be prepared for the loss of a job because it's likely, mm-hmm. no matter what it is they're doing, it's it's mm-hmm. likely to come. We're seeing a slowdown in everything. We're seeing a slowdown in retail. We're seeing a slowdown in restaurants. We're seeing a uh, 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 slowdown in banks, in mm-hmm. financing. Um, people are cutting. I went to the dentist last week. The dentist told me that people are putting off. Sure, sure having stuff done now you know so what's the result seeing more emergency work you you put off having stuff done that you need done now you need to go in there you know as in an emergency it's it's a sad state of affairs but it's i have to be honest it's not going to get any better and, and, and it's interesting when you mention the different dimension. Uh, there's different dimensions to preparing for job loss because I think that's prudent no matter what. Look over your shoulder and expect your days are always numbered with your job. One of the things you can do is to make sure you've got enough money to ride until the next one comes, you know, six months or something like the emergency fund. But also, and also not get anything that extends you in terms of payments or things like mm-hmm. that you can't get out of. But the other thing is keep working on skills. Keep trying to find out. Uh, where there are, there is a need, even if it's something you don't like to do, or even if it's something uh, that you know you're not real fond of, but if it's something you think is big, continually be preparing yourself uh, and expecting that you're going to be obsolete. Well, yeah, that's a question I have. What do you see, if any, are there industries that are going to do do well in this down economy? The only one that I think is a bright spot at all is um, a medical, just because boomers are aging. And um, we're going to need um, more of those kinds of services. But Maybe a lot dental. of those are, are not high-paying jobs. Uh, right. uh, the jobs at the nursing homes, what, those are low-paying jobs, actually. So just because it's in the uh, uh, in that industry, don't think that it's necessarily a high-paying job. Uh, 
job. Um, nursing is a good profession, though. Someone looking to do something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't. You know, I guess the up and coming thing here is is alternative energy. And, and if someone's coming out of college now with a degree in something, that would be a good thing to have a degree in. But but even there, we're seeing things. Uh, Boone Pickens had this wind farm that he was trying to, to uh, uh, do. Right. And uh, my understanding is, is, and I just heard this secondhand. I didn't read it, so I hope I've got this right. That you know, there's some financial concerns, you know, over that. But uh, um, we are going to see some, some probably some government money thrown at uh, uh, alternative energy. But it's not going to be enough to go around. It's not going to create a, a lot of jobs. And that, that's, I have people telling me, well, you know, the next bubble is alternative energy. And I look at it and I say, well, how many people is it going to employ? And, and then they look right. at me with a blank stare, and they realize that it's not going to be many. Look at how many people, look at what the housing boom did. Uh, 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 all the, the laborers that it takes, the carpenters, the, the, uh, uh, bricklaying, everything, all the people, all the trade people, the plumbers, the electricians that go into that. And then we had to, you know, truck all those items there from, from the framing, the lumber itself, and even the lumber provided jobs for the lumber mills. All, look at all mm-hmm. the jobs, the grass seed, everything up and down the line, appliances, lighting fixtures. People going to Home Depot to, to fix the house, putting in new uh, mm-hmm. granite. All of that is gone. Well, it, it's not going to be replaced by by anything that I can see is coming up on the horizon. I might be extremely optimistic mm-hmm. when when I say that unemployment is is going to hit uh, 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 nine or ten percent, ten percent. Do you do you think we're going to go back to single wage earner homes? Uh, no, I don't see that that's coming. Um, I, I think there's going to be a downward pressure on on wages, and and because of that, people are going to be looking for multiple jobs. This is a demographic thing, though. It's got me thinking. We're going to see a situation here where boomers, retired right. boomers, are competing with their kids and grandkids for jobs. And and why is that going to happen? It, that is going to happen because. Uh, uh, retired boomers are going to be on um, Medicaid, right. Medicare. So any company that hires them is not going to have to pick up their medical costs. So who uh-huh. are you going to hire? You, are, are, are you going to hire uh, uh, this 62-, 65-year-old person to work in a store when, when, when you don't have any medical benefits to worry about for them because uh-huh. they're on Or are you going to hire uh, uh, somebody who's, who's uh, uh, 30 with a family, has a whole bunch of kids, you know th- th- that they want for so so that's it that's a sad state of affairs we are going to see retired boomers competing with their kids and grandkids for jobs and low paying jobs at that right well that's well, that's the the point i was going to make because uh you know just hanging out at your site causes people to sort of try to think through things a little bit and it seems like to me well i i certainly see that's going to happen because people's 401k's you know, are, are basically not going to provide anything for them now in the situation they're in. And, and, and in fact, it's not so much of the market crashing even more. It's just the fact that it seems like it could be listless and not go anywhere like it did in much of the 60s and 70s. Uh, and that's not going to cut it for them. But 
the, for, for all the advantages they have in terms of not paying the Medicare and, and other kind of things, they can't get too aggressive with their salary. In fact, they may have to tolerate much less, as you imply, because you can only push that to your advantage so far before the lower wages of younger people uh, is going to still outshine uh, people who are used to making a really higher salary that's been in business for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're eventually going to have to tolerate probably still a much lower wage to still be able to have an advantage over younger folk, right? Right. Right. Okay. It, it, it's really a mess. The thing is, and people need to realize this, wages actually have to come down. They have to come down. And and prices on goods have to come down. The price of housing has to fall. The price of housing has to fall because wages are falling. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's not the problem that people can get, well, you know, how am I going to afford this and how am I going to afford that? Well, maybe your lifestyle is going to, going to take a notch down, too. And people in the United States are going to have to be prepared because this is going to be the, 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 the next generation will be the first generation in U.S. history that, who's, who's actually going to have a lower standing of living you know, than their parents. At least a material standard of living. At least a material standard of living. That, 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 that is correct. And, and we're going to see more things like um, um, shared housing, you know, uh, um, a couple of families maybe living together, uh, uh, all kinds of other social arrangements are are are, are going to happen that, that we've not seen before. We're going to see, you know, uh, 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 house, home prices, home sizes have have gotten nuts. We're probably going to see a downsizing now of home sizes, and just a completely different kind of environment in, in which we've seen. And are we going to have less people going to places like Sandals or beaches or whatever those places are you see on TV? Uh, well, I, you know I, those exotic Caribbean vacations and things oh, like that? Oh, yes, that yes. I didn't know what Cancun. you meant by Sandals. No. Yeah, they, they, there's these places where they, they advertise yeah. them to death on, on no cable television. You there, Dr. Where, you know, these people have, have basically have been sold. Me. Yeah, middle class people have been sold a lifestyle of the well-to-do mm-hmm. that they see on entertainment tonight and things like this. And they basically put it on their credit card and live this lifestyle, you know, of flying to these faraway places mm-hmm. and doing things like this. I'm assuming a lot of that's going to bite the bullet, too. That is. That has to. Uh, uh, credit card defaults are rising, and um, banks are getting tougher with credit lending standards. They've actually risen now for, oh, my gosh, 14 straight months or something. Uh, uh, lending standards are, 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 are rising, and um, they've probably got more to rise. We're going to have to go back to the model where people are going to have to save money to, to get a down payment for a house. Well, if that for for that model to to start working again, home prices have to go lower, and that's why the government's wrong to try and price prop up the price of these houses. Everyone talks about affordable housing. They say we want affordable housing, so so home prices start falling, and all of a sudden these people don't want affordable housing anymore. So and, uh, a bunch and of that's where they work. A- Right. That's where they work against us and make these these downturns and recessions and depressions much, much worse is when they do things like this rather than let them play out. Correct? Yes, exactly. That's what happened in Japan where um, it took uh, um, 19 years later. The Japanese stock market is is, is yeah. 60%, 70% lower than it was 19 years ago. People tell me, well, Mish, that can't happen here. Well, they, they told me the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, they said, Mish, that can't happen here. And when I told them that home prices are going to crash, home prices are going to fall 40 percent, that can't happen here. We're different than Japan. Home prices can't fall here. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. People, people told me that for years. And well, our stock market is relatively booming. It's only at the same level it was 11 years ago. Exactly. So why can't it go on for another nine? Why can't it? In fact, let me put it this way. Why shouldn't it? 
How can an ethical financial advisor sell people that pouring more money into stocks, their hard-earned money, is the way to get to their financial end in retirement? I, I think they're, they're brainwashed. They actually believe this uh, 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 theory that, that a sure. depression can't happen again. Some of them are unethical. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are, are doing it just to get uh, um, their fee or whatever they get out of it. But some of them actually just believe this mantra of, of, of long-term buy and hold. Well, you know what? There's a time for that, and there's a time for not. There's a time, it sounds like something from uh, what, what the book of uh, Ecclesiastics, uh, time, turn, turn, turn to everything. Is, uh, and right now is not the time for long-term buy and hold, in, in my opinion. Mish, uh, I, I had a regional financial investment professional from a major bank call me in and want to give me advice. First of all, I told them I was only interested in certain fixed income things from the government. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, they lied to me. They said they would help me with that, and then they completely started pushing me into stocks. And they showed me a chart that, according to them, said inflation has never gone above around 4% ever in history <laughs> of our country. This was a major financial advisor for a major bank over a whole region. And I told them that didn't seem right to me that I remembered in the Carter administration, you know, up around 10% or more, you know. And uh, finally, I looked at their chart and realized that it was uh, a rolling average, that as it went over decades in time, it sort of attenuated, you know, because it got more data in. Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand that principle. Yeah. And once they understood that principle, they actually threatened to punch me out in their office. Really? They, they nice. yeah, they, they, they said that they, 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 if, uh, if they were a man, they would punch me out, and they, they, uh, they couldn't believe the arrogance of pointing out something like this. Well, I had a similar experience with a uh, stock, the uh, retirement guy, investment guy at my job there. Uh, he said, stocks always go up. <laughs> and I said, no, they don't. And he said, well, look, point out any period, any five-year period that stocks have not went up. And I went, well, what about 29 to 34? Oh, my God. What about, about the last five years? <laughs> yeah. Or 29 to 50. You have to go back to 29. Yeah. What about yeah. 1960 to, to 1980? 20-year right. period. 1960 to 1980. Is it that yeah. long ago? But no, well, none of these people can remember it. All these people are, are, are you know, fresh out of college. Their only existence in uh, knowledge of 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 this stock market is 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 what happened from it uh, uh, from you know 1985 to 2000. So they look at that 15 year period where no matter what you did, you couldn't make a mistake. Yeah. And you know, that's their well, vision of, of 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 the stock market, and they will well, cherry pick that those, those time frames too. But but right now, what what are we? The S and P is 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 back to levels eleven years ago or something. Well, and, right, that's right. And I think we're going to go further back and stay lower longer. So oh, my yeah. target for the S and P is is six hundred. That's a thirty four percent drop from Holy here. Cow. And uh, you know we'll we'll see and uh, we'll see who's right. But how long you how long do you think, Mish, it'll take to get back to fifteen hundred like it was in the good old days? Oh, it could take twenty years. It, it could so seriously. In, so so in other words, it would take an entire working time of a person, you know, a normal working career where they're just trying to recover the, the, the money that they originally had. Yes. During that period yes, of time. Yes, exactly. With, any anyone with, that invested at the peak 
when the S&P was was up there at 1500, when we see that drop to 600, you know there there'll be some rallies. You know, let's say they just buy the S&P index and hold it because that's what these you know uh, right. clowns tell everyone. Well, you know, maybe it, maybe then it rallies back up from 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 600 to uh, um, uh, 1,000. Uh, that, that's an enormous gain right there. Sure. And then maybe it pulls back to 800, and then and then you know rallies to 1,200 again. A, 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 a huge gain from 800 to 1,200, 50% gain. And maybe it pulls back into to a thousand. So what I'm suggesting here is these markets don't go in a straight line. They're gonna they're gonna move about, and that moving about takes time. It took. I mean, just look how long it took from uh, the 2002-2003 bottom to make a, a new high, and it barely made one. Inflation adjusted, right. it didn't make one. So you know, here we are, 2002 to uh, uh, 2008, six years it took, six years to, to, to get those gains back if one was just sitting there holding the S&P index. Now, if one was holding the NASDAQ index, it never came close, and it, and it right. never is. It's not going to go back to those heights. You know, the, the, sure. the, the NASDAQ is still 60% lower than, than what it was uh, yeah. uh, years ago, the S&P yeah, Now, 70%. this time, yeah. the bank stocks, have have fallen, and those bank stocks aren't coming back. So the S and P, the earnings aren't coming back. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and they say, oh, well, now's a tremendous buying opportunity. What they don't say is, for the average Joe out there working, they kept all their money in the stock market back when the S and P was fifteen hundred and thirteen hundred, and their advisor told them to keep all their money back in it then. So there's no money sitting on the sidelines for the average Joe. They were already fully invested back then. All right, we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom Bionic. And uh, if I would classify this segment, I would say um, really good. Re- reduced wages and less jobs. I would say really good soundbite occurring at Fannie Mae has negative net worth. <laughs> okay. Fannie Mae has and, negative net worth. Well, tell our non-economic listeners what Fannie Mae is. Fannie Mae is a mortgage institution that's quasi-governmental. Uh, and now that it's supplier mortgages, it's even yeah, it's even more quasi-governmental and more on mm-hmm. the less on the quasi side and more on mm-hmm. the governmental. But it has a really nice big building. How can it have negative value? I've seen the building. It's yes, really well, they've written so many bad loans. What they what ended up doing is Fannie Mae was created to uh, to give loans to people who couldn't who weren't really authorized or eligible. Yeah, right. Say. And so what that did is it created an artificial demand. For people, right. for people to get loans, our government for pr- lower housing, right? That, yeah. So now that there's so, now there's so many bad loans being written off, mm-hmm. uh, what you do is you have to write that off as an asset, but it can't right. be taken out of the liability column. So what's happening is the liability column is getting much bigger than the asset column, and it's you know much like the Lusitania, it's going belly up. Which is also true of General Motors. When we hear about it yes. having basically zero value, <laughs> it, I mean, there are lots of factories, it has lots of equipment, oh, lots of robots. That's amazing. Fancy furniture, all this kind of yeah. stuff. But the obligations just in their pensions, their health care obligations or obligation mm-hmm. to pay pensions, on the books, that outweighs it in the future. Mm-hmm. They could hawk all this equipment they have and still not have enough to pay their obligations. Yes, it's true. And really, this is what a wild world. Really, you start in. thinking about all this stuff and the fact that 
you know, pensions and stuff are probably going to be done away with and all that stuff, and health care mm -hmm. is going to be done away with. As you talked about, uh, people competing against their kids and grandkids for yes. jobs. It's starting to look like bald face, uh, like feudalism, like neo-feudalism almost, hmm. in a sense, in that these people are going to be beholden to their jobs and their company uh, and any debt that they might have. They're never going to pay that off. Mm -hmm. So where are they? The answer is... Feudalism. Right. That's really that's that's what it comes down to. Sounds like the Iron Mountain report. Yep. If you ask me. You know, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is to have Merv come in and talk to us. Mm. So the soothing tones of Merv are going to tell you how you can let us know about how you can reach us and tell us what you think about Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Risky well, Gambit, did it pay off? We got to go. With, with Merv. Yeah, I feel better. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we hope you feel better and hope that your future is very bright until you join us tomorrow. So until then, we say adieu. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And this is our last installment with our good buddy, Mish. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed about that. I wish we should, I, I mean, we can't have him on so much that it's like... Well, he could like cohabitate. He could yeah. say, I'm Tom Bionic, I'm, I'm um, Mish, I'm Dr. <laughs> Future. And we're all here to uh, talk per about the market. Perpetual and, financial yeah, analysis. We're all here to talk about the end of the world. Yeah. Financially, anyway. Well, uh, Mish is just such a tremendous asset, and mm -hmm. it's a blessing that he makes himself so available to us, given his insane, insane his insane schedule. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, people give him grief on his blog so much and say crazy stuff. Yeah. Of course, man, he gives it back to him on there, too. If you well, yeah, he doesn't pull punches. And that's that's the other thing I like about him. He's not afraid to just say, obviously, you have no idea what the <laughs> definition of infl inflation is. Yeah, right. I can't tell you. If I had a nickel for every time he said that on, to somebody on his blog, yeah. it'd be I'm awesome. just glad he didn't yell at us in this interview Yeah, that, that I'm aware of. Uh, he's uh, going to wrap up a lot of things we're talking about, particularly about what we should expect in the future. Mm -hmm. um, I know I got on this kick about financial advisors at the end of the last show. Yeah. Um, and it's only because they're evil. <laughs> well, I tell you, uh, people, you know, buyer beware. Yeah. You know, the market just because goes up. just how somebody says they're in a financial advisor and they have some initials in their name, which who knows what they mean. Uh, don't just assume that you can trust your entire, uh, you know, uh, fate of your family mm -hmm. based upon what these strangers say, particularly when facts don't bear out what they're telling yeah. you. Well, before you go invest in any money, go read Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And read Mish's blog. And read Mish's blog, of it, course. It stands the test of time of ex very intelligent people in yeah. economics who Making find that it's... Making good calls and stuff, yeah. That find that uh, what he does is very, very useful. 
Indeed. And I guess we should go on to his usefulness Let's in the it. last segment. So no further ado, here he is, whatever ado is. Um, we are going to have Mish come back on for this last segment of Future Quake, then we'll be right back to talk about it. You know, and, and basically the, the, the only uh, silver lining for most people is that they're so poor at funding their 401ks is that the average person has proportionally a lot less money in it except for, you know, your white-collar types. Yeah. Most of them put so little money in that that's the only thing that saves them from losing more money. Well, this, hurts, this, hurts, the, this hurt the boomers most. <laughs> it didn't hurt the, the, the uh, uh, people on the really top end. It didn't hurt the, the people at Goldman or certainly didn't hurt the CEOs. They walked away with their Goldman parachutes worth, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, top management at these places, I mean, they're still, you know, look at the salaries of, of, of GM at three bucks. You know, how, how much in stock options and, and uh, salary do, do these uh, CEOs get for running a, a corporation in the ground? Mozilla at um, Countrywide Financial took out over, over the last decade $1 billion, $1 billion with a B, of, of 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 stock options. And he, meanwhile, running the company into the ground, bankrupted it. God bless America, right? <laughs> well, hey, uh, you know, it seems like there's such interest in wanting to do uh, something stimulus oriented. They're 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 just bent on doing something like this. You mentioned that that at least if they're going to do something, maybe focus on infrastructure, employ our Iraq vets, people like that, give them a job as something that at least is you know, moderately acceptable. Is there anything else like that that you feel is economically justifiable in the long term as far as stimulus right now? No, I don't even think that that's economically right. justifiable, actually. I, well, they could probably do it in a way that, that, that the, the problem I have with it right now has to do with the, the, the Davis-Bacon Act, you know, and, and, and all the corruption and the graft that, that, that's going to come with any of this stuff. I, I would I would suggest that, that, that two thirds or at least a half of any money that gets appropriated uh, 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 for these jobs program is 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 just going to go up in smoke and, and not produce any real tangible results. So, uh, um, but um, some of it, at least some of it, will go to get something out of it. Let's say it's assuming that it's half. When you when you make a bomb and and drop that in Iraq. 100% of it is total waste, not even right. more than that, because taxpayers end up, we end up having to rebuild Iraq, and we had to go over there and keep our troop supporters over there. So all, you know, actually a negative benefit to dropping a bomb. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, at, at least when you rebuild infrastructure, even if government wastes half of it, at least you get something out of it. And it is something that has to be done uh, because we've got bridges that are falling down and dams that are bursting. We have Nashville that's under threat of being uh, deluged under 80 feet of water from an upstream dam that's on the verge of falling apart. Wow. So there, at least there could be, yeah, yeah, it's going to make us like that water world, uh, movie. Uh, if it actually goes to sit, it'll make Katrina look like child's play. Well, if thank goodness I have gills behind my ears. Yeah, I'm glad you do too. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's some things like that that could be, could be worthwhile. But, um, what, what do you see in the future as far as the, uh, future efforts are going to do as far as government to further take over different aspects of our economy, both nationally and worldwide? Well, I've already mentioned GM, um, um, uh, Pelosi and Obama. Want to do something for for GM? I I don't think they should, and um, obviously the infrastructure, and 
open bridges, and they're going to pass another stimulus plan to give people money, and it's not going to work. What I'm going to, as soon as they do, I will recommend on my blog for people to just take that money and 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 pay down their credit card. That's the first thing you ought to do with it. Just pay off their credit card if they got a credit card with it. And if they don't have a credit card bill, if, if they're current on the credit card bill, then I would tell them to save it. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and government doesn't want people to do that, but that is what they should do because uh, and people are going to have to start saving. And, and there is a, a culture shock here that's going to come to, to Bernanke, and this is why all these efforts are going to fail. Uh, Greenspan had the wind of consumption at his back. He had all these boomers in, in, in their robust earning years, you know, thinking that their home was their retirement, and then thinking that the stock market was in the retirement. No fears of anything. Going out there and buying boats and, and, and going on vacations, going to sandals, you know, because everything was okay. Well, Bernanke's got a, a different wind blowing in his face. And uh, uh, that wind is consumers who are scared, they're going to need to be more frugal. Uh, boomers who realize that the retirement is, is, is gone, they couldn't depend not only on their house, but uh, uh, their stock market assets have, have, have fallen by a third or more, and it's going to be more. And uh, that's not going to support uh, um, uh, consumption in the environment. So that's not going to support a lot of jobs, and that's another reason why unemployment is going to rise. And um, because boomers are going to cut back a completely different attitude. And we're going to see it. And it's actually a healthy attitude, by the way. And we're going to see it in the children of baby boomers. That's where we're going to see it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the children of boomers who see their parents arguing over money, right. see their parents scared to death about foreclosure. These kids can sense that fear. Well, you, you told us on a prior show to expect to see, because I asked you about what kind of cultural and societal impacts there would be, and you said we'll probably have a lot more uh, uh, couples have to go into counseling, a lot more divorces mm-hmm. because of the stress. Yeah, and, and we're going to see a different attitude towards debt from from these kids now when, when, who see their parents lose their home or, or, or their parents arguing over money. They're not going to uh, uh, want to do what their parents do did and, and, and spend recklessly and, and have no way of paying it back. This is going to stick with them for the rest of their life. That's what it takes here to make a, a secular peak. We went through something. I've got a post out on my blog called Peak Credit, and I talked about this. It's a term that I believe that I invented. I've not, not heard anyone else talk about it. Uh, I call it Peak Credit. When, when, when everyone is, you know, Every possible person in not just the U.S. but in the world got sucked up into a massive consumption bench of of condos, of apartments, of boats, of things, any kinds of things, frivolous things that people were were, were spending artworks, spending millions of dollars. All of that is going to come to an end. We're gonna we're gonna see a complete reversal in attitudes. The pendulum has just started to switch back the other direction, and it's going to keep going. And, and, and that's why you know, all this talk about reflation, and, and it's, it's not going to happen. It, we're going to be stuck mired for another decade here possibly, uh, um, just like Japan did, and, and fighting it, trying to get banks to lend, like Paulson, Bernanke, Congress is attempting to do right now, is, is, is 
a waste of taxpayer money. It's going to prolong the agony. What we need to do is is let this market crash because it's going to crash anyway. It can either be a slow mm-hmm. one or a fast one. And the, and the beauty of the fast crash is it wastes less money, it, uh, 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 and it, and it's over faster. And we can get a recovery faster, mm-hmm. and home prices will drop to where they need to be, where people can afford them, and mm-hmm. and then we can have a genuine recovery. But the, the more like, they fight like, this, the longer yeah. this lasts, right. and, and and it's going to be agony the the whole way. All those situations I talked about, you know, you know, with with the kids, the parents arguing, the divorces, money. And even suicides now. There were a couple right. of suicides mm-hmm. recently that, that, in those. the news. Yeah, yeah. It's like if 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 we let it go through naturally, it's like cutting off the the dog's tail at the base. Whereas the government would like to cut off the dog's tail a little piece at a time. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up at the same point, but it's going to hurt that many times more every time you keep cutting off a slice. Well, that's a good way of looking uh, at it. At, at the time, um, something I've got to ask you about when you know, and you you've made a very very convincing case on your blog uh, regarding deflation for the foreseeable future, that there may come a time long term when when they have to resort to printing and things because of the debt and things that they've got to deal with, and that's going to have an inflationary impact down the road. But in the in any foreseeable future, we're looking at deflation, and and that means that uh, people like the the future household here are going to have to be, be very patient with our uh, inflation-indexed uh, tips that we have, our Treasury bonds. I know a lot of people have gone to the uh, safety of Treasury bonds, um, however, I've, I've heard recently that the actual credit rating of the U.S. government itself is being lowered uh, due to some international perception of potential default. Is that a real risk, Mish? Absolutely and if so, not. It, how, it, okay. It's ridiculous. The, the U.S. So, government owes money in, in, in U.S. dollar terms, so, so quite literally it's impossible for it to default. I mean, I, I suppose there can be some sort of international ag- agreement of some kind where, where debts across the border wiped out. In fact, it, it would surprise me if something like that doesn't happen. I don't think there's anything like that is going to happen right now, but something like that might happen in the, in the future where, where the, you know, China just, you know, forget it, U.S. debt, U.S., you know, all the world, all the company, countries in the world, uh, uh, just, you know, for, forgive each other debts at the national level. I, I, something like that is, 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 is possible between governments, but only between governments, not between governments and private citizens. Uh, uh, the U.S. is not going to default. And anyone buying those things, this is a credit default swap that, the, you know, uh, that anyone buys this protection, uh, on the U.S. government mm-hmm. going bankrupt is, is totally wasting their money because if the U.S. government went bankrupt, the, the, the corporation mm. would not be able to pay off on, right. on the back. And the government couldn't even enforce them to pay it off. Could even, no, it, 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 it's, it's like buying it. insurance that, that uh, uh, it would be like me selling you an insurance policy for $200 million. Okay, right. well, if the event that, we, that I was insuring actually happened, I would not be able to pay you $200 million. That's what we're talking about here. So people mm-hmm. buying these policies are buying them from, from, are literally giving money away because, and this is the same thing that happened, by the way, with, with, with the, um, reinsurers, uh, with the insurance, uh, and back in MBIA. Mm-hmm. They guaranteed, you know, all of these, uh, uh, debts. They guaranteed CDOs. They guaranteed mortgages. And it turns out, they can't pay it. These two corporations fell from, you know, seventy bucks right. down to 
down to two dollars. They're they're bankrupt. They are essentially bankrupt. Why? Because they they couldn't pay their guarantee. So anyone so, bought, anyone looking to get a guarantee from someone on on uh, U.S. government uh, uh, co- uh, collapsing is buying is, is wasting their money. The, the insurance policy can never be paid. So so there, there there there's not a precedent in places like Argentina or other places. I don't know all the detail there where where the citizens weren't able to actually get their money recouped. I know inflation can eat it away for everybody. Argent, Argentina owed money in U.S. dollar terms. So that that okay. is the problem. The U.S. owes money in U.S. dollar terms. It can it theoretically can never default. All it has to do is is print the money to pay it off. It. Right, but, right. You know, okay. they can they can print the money right now and pay off China if they wanted to. Of course, China would get mm-hmm. mad right now, and there would right. be repercussions if we did that. But but that's why a, 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 a that's why it, that default, in theory at least, can't happen. Because mm-hmm. you know, if the U.S. owed money in euros, uh, that's a different problem. But we don't. We owe right. we owe people money in U.S. dollar terms. That's and an excellent no point one that, here. No right. one that can print money <laughs> that owes money in their own ter- uh, currency is ever going to go broke. It's not sure. going to happen. Well, that's reassuring to hear because you know, in, in the future household, we hold them to maturity. So, so we don't get caught in this fluctuation of the value going up and down, you know, based upon interest rates. We sort of know what we're going to get on the coupon at face value and just hold them and cash them in them to try to manage the risk. But, you know, more and more people have been talking about this, and I think it's important for anybody to know about that. I, we know more friends who are trying to find those options in their 401ks, and we're finding, you know, obviously resistance from their companies and their financial planners that won't give them options right. yeah. to hold bonds. Now, we, we're with a, with a major, I guess I can say who, uh, who it is, uh, uh, one of the major groups, Fidelity, uh, makes it very easy for you to own individual treasury bonds in your own 401K, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's other ones out there that do that too. But I'm finding a lot of friends that are very, very frustrated in the limited options their 401Ks are giving them. Tom Bionic's one of those. I talked to my uh, Vanguard advisor, and he said he won't sell me. He, I'm not allowed to buy tips in uh, denominations less than ten thousand dollars. And I said, "Wait a minute." Now they offer them down to hundred dollars. Yeah, and I you said, well, last time I checked, limits. they were like a thousand dollars. And my friend says you can buy them at a hundred dollars. And he said, "No, we won't allow you to buy them for less than ten thousand dollar chunks." Well, yeah, you know, take that, your account somewhere else. That's what I would yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's in the process of happening. Well, you know, actually I have several friends who, who have been so frustrated that they've been pushed into accounts losing so much money that I basically had to tell them, you know, unless you can negotiate with your uh, your retirement people at your company, then it may be worthwhile just to roll it over into an IRA and get, get out of it completely. Uh, you know, not take the taxes, be able to at least manage your own ship on that. Now, there is a lot of talk right now about the government, and they're, they're trying to find new things in our lives that they can reign tyranny over and control. And one of them is 401Ks, where they want to take over because they've been totally underwhelmed with the wisdom of the public themselves in managing their own money. They would rather squander the money than let the public do it themselves. What do you think is going to come out in terms of uh, anything the government's going to pull off in taking over 401ks and managing themselves? Nothing. I, know, I think it's all a bunch of hype. I think it's not going to happen. I, I think that's the most overhyped story on the Internet. Um, people, I, I get at least three, four, five emails on that a day. And um, normally when I get uh, um, that much interest in something, 
normally it, it, it's, it's just on some overhyped thing that's not going to happen. That's my personal belief. We'll see. I've gone on record as, as saying that this is, this is just way overblown. And, um, at least for now, uh, and then people are telling me well, that Obama is doing this. Obama's name is not even associated with this. It, 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 to me, it's the same thing as if when, when Ron Paul talks and says we abolish the Fed, wants to abolish the Fed and attributing that to, to Bush. So, you know, here we, we've got a, a representative or even a couple of them or someone that says, you, you know, that are, that are, you know, floating, you know, that floated this idea. Well, people float all kinds of silly ideas in Congress. It doesn't mean they're going to go anywhere. And, and, and this one's not going to go anywhere. And Obama's not behind it to the best of my knowledge. Now, if, 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 if I'm corrected on this and if I'm wrong, then, then I will be blogging on it and, 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 and starting up a big facts campaign because this is nuts. But, but this story is, is not going anywhere. <clears throat> well, Mitch, we, we've got three minutes left. And, and one thing I, I need to ask you real quickly is that how can uh, Tom Bionic and I and our listeners get behind your new initiative you're going to do this year? Um, the initiative is for next year, um, so right. uh, I will be posting it sometime on my blog. What, what we need to happen have, have happen right now is to just wait for the next Congress to settle in. I don't want to start an initiative now with with, with uh, um, some Congress members going out, some new ones coming in. The, the, the new ones, you know, don't even have their feet right. wet, don't even know where they're going to sit, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I'd rather wait until the next Congress settles in, and then I'm, I will post something on my blog sometime next year of um, asking for volunteers. I will want to volunteer from, from at least one person in um, every representative district, congressional representative district in the country, and I want volunteers to meet with 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 that uh, with their um, legislative representative and go over you, you know why these bailout plans, why this spending, why we need to get rid of the Fed, why we need to get on economic sound footing, and uh, uh, so you know that's my plan. But it's a plan for next year, and it's a little bit premature. I, I don't have all the pieces in place right now. Uh, uh, to have a, a specific announcement on that, but it'll be coming well, Mish, we need to make a little housewarming gift for them, a little baggie like a welcome wagon when they come in the first day in their office, maybe sitting in their in basket in their yeah. or in their in their nice fax inbox. Creature from Jekyll Island. Or, or, or something, yeah, yeah. So, something <laughs> like that in their in basket to welcome there and they'll get to work. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I, you know what's what's interesting? Actually, someone who I've helped on my blog. <clears throat> Yeah, um, he, he's in the printing industry. He uh, has mm-hmm. his own printing company. He, he mm-hmm. volunteered to um, print up anything that we need for this campaign. Mm-hmm. So I have wow. I have people lining up for this, and, and I got to think about what I want. You know, some kind of brochure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we can you know get something you know really done that that looks nice that maybe can explain this, and have you know people go over it with their uh, legislative representative. And maybe we can make a difference. All, we can't well, make a difference, Doctor Future, if we don't try. So right. yeah. um, um, uh, we can try. And, well, and uh, I'm taking a would, yes, we can attitude on this, and we'll see. You inspired us. I just want you to know. Yes. And and Tom and I and our listeners would run through a hill of bullets with you. We're we're ready to jump out of the trench. Yeah. We've got bayonets fixed, and we're ready to to run behind General Mish. Okay. 
All right. Uh, we, and uh, we, give the address of my blog one more time. We've got 20 seconds, and that's what I was going to ask you. In 20 seconds, tell them how to get a hold of you. GlobalEconomicAnalysis.blogspot.com, or just simply do a Google search for MISH, M-I-S-H, and you'll find my blog. Shoot me an email and get in touch. And if they need hands-on financial advisement, they need to go to Sitka Pacific. Um, yes, they can get a hold of me. We've had good returns at Sitka. One of our strategies is up 14.5% this year, which is pretty good in this market environment. Yeah, that ain't pretty bad. Good. Well, Mish, uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for all your work on behalf of uh, your, your fellow citizens and friends. We sure appreciate you being on our show and making time for us. It's yeah. a pleasure to be on the show. Okay, thanks again. Okay, we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom Bionic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so impressive how you do that. Man, I'm feeling good. I don't know how you do it. I'm feeling good. Uh, He sort of wrapped up with a lot of uh, interesting things, talking about uh, basically how the next generation is going to look at this horrible environment in their families right now with Mm -hmm. excess debt and all the stress, and they're going to swing the other direction. Grinding poverty would be a good way to describe, I think, what he's talking about. And because of this... You ever notice they never use grinding affluence? No. Just I sure don't. I what does that mean? You're like squashed by two gigantic pieces of gold? I, <laughs> Somebody two, ran two, me over with my gold truck. Yeah, two Rolls is pushing next to each other. Rolls Royces. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, basically, uh, we're going to see, instead of this generation, which is buy, buy, buy before they have, you're going to have other people that are going to have almost a fear, mm-hmm. probably a fear of buying stuff and making financial commitments, not knowing yeah. what the future holds. Indeed. Yeah, much like, I mean, if you know older people that went through the Depression, mm-hmm. we we all have stories of, of relatives who went through it, didn't trust the banks, wouldn't put any money in a bank, mm-hmm. kept their money in a mattress. Well, that's one thing that we didn't get into, but I know that he had talked about, he's alluded to before, that banks may or may not be safe, some of them. Yeah. You know? And that we're going to start sealing... Seeing, ceiling. We're going to start seeing some uh, banks fail. Well, that's another good excuse to read Misha's blog yeah. because all the people that post on there that canvas information, you really will hear it first on Misha's blog yeah. before anywhere else. Globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com. And you will see a red, red alert. I know you and I have been become sort of addicted to it, and you'll find a heads up like, mm-hmm. you know, watch out for this bank. Here's a word that got out, or we know somebody who works somebody or whatever, and a notice yeah. went out. Be mm-hmm. careful. And even, you know, what it's it, even a, a phenomenon I've noticed is there's there's bloggers who read Mitch, Mish's blog who are now starting their own blogs. Basically rehashing, you mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no, I know no. what you're saying. Some yeah. of the more prolific posters on his blog. Yeah, yeah, they all have their own And they're blogs. interesting, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In their own right. They all have their own areas of expertise uh-huh. and things like that. Uh, basically, bottom line is, people, you are going to be responsible for your own financial well-being. Even if you work for a company, you cannot rely on the retirement department at your company, your benefits, mm-hmm. to handle the future for your family. Nobody's going to be there to watch it. Even the government's not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a 401K and if you're putting money in, you're going to have to take more attention to what's going on in there. Hmm. And someone yeah. you can give attention to is Merv, who needs to come in and tell he you how to contact us. So, Merv, tell them how they can get hold of FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. 
Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, it's the end of another day. All right, boy, let's get out of here and do the news tomorrow. Do some news. Yeah. Okay. Well, until then, we hope your future is really bright, right? Indeed. And until then? Word up. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And here we go again. It's another Friday, and that means... It's the end of the age. I was looking at the thing over there. It it could be the end of the age, yeah. (laughs) Or it could be tomorrow's tremors, or today's review of the... Thanksgiving? Future's news. (laughs) I didn't pick on you. Folks, folks, Dr. Future's a little under the weather. Oh, man. it's, It's his turn this week to feel... A little I, out of sorts. I have all of the plagues of Egypt and, and all the ones in uh, you've Revelation. Got, you've got the seven bulls and the seven trumpets. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Actually, those guys had it easy compared to what I'm going through. Oh, man. I'm but sorry. anyway, I'm like Lou Gehrig, Iron Man. I show up here <laughs> for Future Quake. It's I was going to say, you have a disease that, you know, it's wonderful muscles to, not work? Or? Well... Yeah, my mouth always works. That's when, whether it should or not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be with you. I want to thank you so much for all the kind emails that everybody's been sending and encouragement for Tom and I. Yeah. And uh, thanks for taking the time to do that. Just thanks for your prayers and for your, your concerns. I know a lot of people appreciated our uh, our prayer time. Yeah. And, you know, somebody said we ought to do that more often. So yeah. would you like to start our I news would. with a quick word of prayer? I was going to say. Because, uh, I mean, you're dealing with some stuff, too, on your end. That's some of these you know, it's funny. Stories we've had. Yeah, it's funny. The The Lord has this funny way of, um, like, just when I go, okay, okay, I think I can deal with this. Like, he turns it up another notch. So at this point, right. you know. Um, I guess the way I would phrase it uh, spiritually is that Tom and Dr. Future are both way are taking the tough ride. Yeah. And so are a lot of our listeners yeah. out there, Futurians. Doing, doing FCC uh, traffic controlling blind would be less stressful than... Yeah, <laughs> those people have it easy too. Yeah, it's like, oh, jeez, yeah. just yeah. <laughs> making sure planes don't crash. No well, problem. Well, won't you say yeah, like prayer for us and, and for our listeners too? Okay, Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to lift up our listeners. Um, I know that there's a lot of stress and a lot of financial stress. I know personally that there's been a lot of people out there uh, who have lost their jobs and are, or are scared about losing their jobs and worried about money. Father, I would just, you are the great provider, Father, and just whatever these people need and whatever they need, uh, you know, to best serve you and your purposes, Father, um, lift them up and uh, provide for them. Uh, show them the way uh, and bring them, you know, if, if there's people who've strayed a little in the sound of my voice, bring them back to the fold, too. Yes, Father. Um, Father, I also want to lift up uh, uh, Brother Future here. Uh, he's got some. He's dealing with some some uh, medical medical pain issues, Father. And you are the great physician, Father. Uh, I would just ask that you put your healing hand on on Mike, uh, and just Lord, just heal him, Father. Uh, make him feel better. Let him know you're there, uh, and as well, put your hand on the both of us and uh, 
use us for your kingdom and your yes. glory, uh, both in this radio show and even when the mics aren't on, Father, and rest of the day as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great prayer, Tom. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was, that well. was great. And uh, if anybody has any doubt out there, I know we talk about a lot of crazy stuff on this show, get fired up. A lot of things that some of you probably uh, scratch your head over, maybe offended at. But we want to make it very clear this is all for God's glory and for Jesus Christ. We are, we are here as servants of Jesus Christ to accomplish his ends in our own strange way. Yeah. But that's our intent. So we appreciate you well, uh, hanging with us. Well, I do, have a, I do have a quick story about that. Okay. Uh, I had lunch with a, a very... A very intelligent, very well-read, very um, very strong brother in the Lord of ours. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, he said that, you know, at first he was very skeptical of the, our whole Nephilim alien view. Mm-hmm. And uh, after after listening to what we had to say and reading some books, he's now changed his opinion. Wow. So, And know. he's a Bible teacher himself. Yes. Yes, A very good one, I might add. Uh, uh, a very good Bible teacher and a very... Uh, a very important person to a lot of different, a lot of different young people. And he has a unique ministry yeah. that is bearing lots of fruit right yes. now. Yes, some per- and a, and a person that I respect immensely. So mm-hmm. to have him say something like that was, it was big. And brother, we hope you know we you know who you are that we're referring to there because we appreciate you so much yeah. in your role in our life. Yeah, I, I tell you, one thing we did uh, miss you was at the in the Fed. Uh, March. We know you had some other commitments musically. (laughs) Yeah, I had a maniac session. (laughs) Yeah, musically. I know you'd rather been there with us, but I can tell you that uh, it was an incredible scene. Um, Your old friend Dr. Future met down with our friends at uh, C-Triple-A, Christian Action Against Apathy, down at the Anchor Fellowship, where we have our documentary night every month. And uh, they coalesced a lot of people. This was an event that was going on in 38 cities around the country. All the major cities, uh, people like, uh, I think Ron Paul was speaking in Houston, uh, uh, Chuck Baldwin participated, uh, Jesse Ventura. Wow. Even, uh, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the, the woman whose son died in Iraq. Cindy Sheehan. Yeah, Cindy Sheehan. Yeah. So there are people left, right, middle, whatever, yeah. all uh, saying that the Federal Reserve was the the thing that was really we needed to get rid of it was a big disaster yeah. of well, our and society and in, and in, uh, certainly history bears that out right. and and with talking with uh in talking with uh, uh uh brother stump there from the anchor who was mm-hmm. who was there in attendance he said there was at the high point there was about 100 people yeah, at the well, national yeah. rally it was great and and the CAA guys were really leading the way although we had uh, some good friends from the Libertarian Party, uh, friends from Campaign yeah. for Liberty. I was going to say, I thought I saw some pictures of Daniel yeah. Lewis. There. Even some John Birch Society people wow. were there. We had people, like I said, across the political spectrum. Uh, and Daniel Lewis was there yeah. and Lisa uh, Leeds, I believe, Leeds, yeah. uh, who also ran for Congress. So we had some ones who had heroic figures that recently ran for political office that came in. And mm-hmm. they, they just weren't there when they were trying to get votes. They're there because they care. Yeah. The election's over and they're yeah. They care about these issues. But uh, if you'd like to check it out, I highly recommend all of our listeners go to YouTube and just type in C-A-A-A, C-Triple-A, and put in In the Fed. Mm-hmm. C-Triple-A, In the Fed, and you'll have some videos, and there's like an eight-and-a-half-minute video. Uh, you'll see a little glimpse of the doc there. Yeah. And um, it was a fascinating experience. Well, and the interesting thing about it is, you know, we had 100 people there at the Nashville rally, and that is just, that is a sub-branch of... A larger branch bank, mm-hmm. so that's like third down the line. They only had, I heard, they only had like three or four hundred at the main. The main is that right? Building. So right. I mean, that's 
I, I think that is that is to be commended on CCA's sure. part. You know? Sure, and they're a force to be reckoned with. They're becoming that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met some people. I met a lot of new people there who hadn't heard of our show but want to start oh, listening. Great. Met some people from uh, Illinois who came down. Really? Uh, people wow. from Paducah. You think uh, they would have went to the Chicago one? Though. Yeah, I don't know, people from from uh, uh, Paducah. We had a, a number of people from Middle Tennessee State, Murfreesboro, great. showed up, mm-hmm. and they all want to be new Future Quick listeners. So if y'all are listening out there, we just salute yeah. you and tell you to email yeah. us and let us know what's going on. Yeah, thank you so much for participating in the in the Fed if you uh, this is your first time listening and you've yeah. participated. Yeah, and, and if you're a Christian that you know you don't know what we're talking about and you should just go to church and hear a nice sermon and going home, um, we are trying to encourage people to do more, to get up out of their chair. Don't just complain about the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Get involved with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Do something about it. Set an example for yeah. the rest of the world that they can see that Christ cares and cares about every part of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, their, their spiritual position, most of all, but their economic state, that they have justice, all these kind of things are all things that Jesus yeah, uh, was concerned. He about. cared. He cared for the least of these, and the Federal Reserve is making everybody the least of these. Well, and you know what they are are money changers, and we know how Jesus reacted to the well, money changers. What they are, <laughs> what they are, are, people who use unjust weights and measures to right, uh, right. defraud everybody. And God made world. that a big deal. Yeah. And then when you go in the Book of Revelation, you see one of the main seals, uh, epitomizing the iniquity of our world, mm-hmm. was the the third horseman, who carried the scale in his hands yes. with the adjusting the money and its value to be able to have enough food to eat. Mm-hmm. And then you see the great city Babylon judged at the end of Revelation that traded in all these kind of things, including the souls of men, it mm-hmm. says. Yeah. And it was brought down in a day. So don't tell me that the God, that God doesn't care about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. He definitely does. Well, and, and if you if you feel like you you still want to look into this more, I recommend getting a, getting a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Which we'd like to have that fellow on G. Ever Griffin. Yeah, I I'd like to get him on our you know, show. I believe he's a believer. I was, I was just thinking about that. You know? I, I think he's. Great. I think he's a believer, yeah. and uh, it would be wonderful to have him on because he wrote really the book. Yeah, and he's a um, he's not a kooky kind of guy. He's a very reserved. Well, very you know, he actually guy. he actually for no cost put out a forty minute video that's kind of a condensed. Uh, playbook of his of his creature from Jekyll Island that is linked right at Mish's site. One really, of our, one of our former guests. Yeah. Well, and who was just on this week? Yeah. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed the show with Mish this yeah. week. Uh, we have a lot of people asked to have him back on. Yeah, and Me, it's I, amazing I, that I he comes have on him every other week. <laughs> <laughs> well, coast to coast gets him some of the time. So. Yeah, but we'll take out we'll take out David Norrie here sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. I know, or George Norrie too. George, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get and David Bill, even quicker. Yeah, and Bill Norrie. And hey, uh, won't I do a real quick story? Yeah, I have I three, say, like a quick, quick one, okay. and then you you get into your two, and then that's okay. why we'll balance them out here. All right. Uh, this is. Um, We've got some economic stuff here, particularly which fitting with Mish, but this will be something a little different. Uh, this came from a uh, media outfit called TV Newser. Uh, most consider the web the most reliable source of news. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Zogby poll commissioned by IFC found 37.6% of those asked consider the Internet the most reliable source of news. 20.3% consider national TV the most reliable, and 16% say radio is the most reliable source. It's also revealed that 39.3% of those surveyed trust Fox News most for the issues they consider important, followed by CNN with 16% and MSNBC with 15. Hmm. 72.6% believe the news they read and see is biased. Wow. Uh, 
88.7% of Republicans and 57.5% of Democratic respondents described the news media as biased. Uh, Zogby surveyed uh, almost 3,500 adults nationwide on November 5th and 6th. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is for a, a new uh, media project that reveals the truth behind TV news. So the, the key thing I want to point out in that is that People think internet news stories are synonymous with rumor, mm-hmm. or with uh, you know kooky kind of people, tinfoil hat stuff. When actually well, it do. is, it is, yeah. Some do. Most apparently, most do not. But yeah, I mean that's what the media tells us, yeah. and I guess they they do that in a defensive fashion. Sure. But really, the majority of people find that there is more reliable news and pre- presumably uh, better referenced, uh, more mm-hmm. reliable sources than what we get in our mainstream news. I'm encouraged that they recognize that. I wish. In part, that people would not take the message that the mainstream news gives us about our political candidates and people like that. Yeah. If they don't trust them, then they shouldn't rely on that information to pick the candidates that they like. Yeah. There so you go. Put well, that in your pipe and smoke it. There's a, there's been a lot of that a lot of that phrase floating around these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I remember anecdotally. I remember when I was I don't know 17 or 18 watching TV, doing a uh, uh, an informal survey. I watched a half hour of CNN and wrote down all the stories. And then I watched Fox News and wrote down all the stories and then made a list of what I thought uh, liberal values were and conservative values were mm-hmm. and found out that uh, based on that little simple simple little test, there was major bias. Really? Yeah. It was, it was, it was like watching the news of two different countries. Now, how long ago did you do this? It was like 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So it's 10 years of... You were a young man. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah, well, I'd like to still think I'm a young man, yeah. although, you know, don't the wrinkles on my face belong no. those. <laughs> do you have a story for us? Oh, uh, I do. Lay it on us. Um, as many of you know, uh, Iceland defaulted on its bond payments. Uh, this is the first time... This Which is, the first is sad. That's a place I always wanted to go was Iceland. Me too. I now want to go to the Faroe Islands, but which is not far from there. But Yeah. Well, they have a lot of smoked whale. That's their big... That's the big thing they like to eat there, smoked whale and pickled shark. And hot tubs. They have lots of... Yeah, lots of natural hot tubs. Right. Lots of mud baths. and mm-hmm. uh, I've been told a lot of very, very good-looking young women, which, you know, it's mm-hmm. a single gentleman. Right. You know, I wonder if they have a lot of churches. I don't know. Probably help. Yeah. I, um, I do know they've had a problem with alcoholism there quite a bit, but they are the most highly educated people in the world, supposedly. Wow. Well, that's interesting that they ended up defaulting on their bond payments. Mm. Uh, it's the first time in recent history that I know of that uh, a major Western sort of first world nation right. has defaulted on its bond payments. Uh, this this story comes from the uh, the Scotsman, uh, and it's written by a guy named Omar Valdemarsen. Oh, yeah, Omar. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because it's like Omar, you know, Valdemarsen. You know, Omar being a non-Icelandic name, almost Middle Eastern, and yeah. then... Valdemarsen being pretty darn Scandinavian. Uh, Anyway, thousands of Icelanders have demonstrated in Reykjavik to man the resignation of Prime Minister Gerharde. Gerhard? Okay. Harde. And Central Bank Governor David Audison for failing to stop the country's financial meltdown. It was the latest in a series of protests in the capital since October's banking collapse crippled the island's economy. That's true. Mm -hmm. The, uh, The kroner went to, like... Ten cents on the dollar, there 
uh, right after the bond default. And that's not good, I guess. But it's pretty bad if you're okay. buying stuff with the kroner. Okay. Uh, at least five people were injured in Horder Torfsen, a well-known singer in Iceland and the main organizer of the protest, said the protest would continue until the government stepped down. Wow. As crowds gathered in the drizzle before the all thing, uh, which if you ever have a free couple hours, check out the all thing, the history of the all thing. The Icelandic parliament. On Is that set- like all spice? Yes. Okay. Just way bigger. Okay. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, Mr. Tolfson said, they don't have our trust and they are no longer legitimate. Uh, the value of the Iceland kroner has been cut in half since January. I think it's actually fallen more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, four Nordic countries, as well as the International Monetary Fund, oh, our good friends, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, have pledged to lend the country a combined $4.6 billion to help revive its deflated economy. The loan would be the first by the IMF to a Western nation since 1976. One young man climbed on the balcony of the All Thing building where the president appears upon inauguration and upon Iceland's National Day and hung a banner reading, Iceland for sale. Uh, billion? I think it's trillion. Two point, uh, no, that's, that's, that's trillion. Billion. It's billion. What? People? That number. Things? Iceland for sale. Okay. 2.100 billion the amount of the loan the country is getting from the IMF. So these people don't even want want the IMF money. I told you these people are the most high, highly educated in the world. They know what their government's doing to them. Yeah. While we sleep over here. They're massive. Yeah, they're they're this is they're bailing out every crony in Washington and Iceland knows what's up. Yeah. It's interesting that it's interesting that we just talked about the Fed rally and you know. Why aren't we doing that in mass like they are? Um not enough smoked whale. We need to go over there and study what they're doing. I think we just I think if we oh. we up the number of um now Department of Homeland Security to put our name on a list. Yes. Well, it's a good thing that An we insurrectionist. Use yes. <laughs> Tom Bionic, aka Tom Bionic. Yeah, they'll never figure out who we are. It's pretty well, much after impossible. after meeting some government workers. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm feeling relatively safe actually. Um a separate group of two to three hundred people gathered in front of the city's main police, police station, throwing eggs and demanding the release of a young protester being held there. Police in riot gear... Would you call that an egonomic protest? I think you would. <laughs> <laughs> police in riot gear used pepper spray to drive back, to drive people back in an attempt to free the protester, during which several windows at the police station were shattered. Uh, the protester was later released after his fine was paid. Uh, as daylight began to wane, demonstrators drifted away into the nearby o- coffee shops. Here, as currency tumbles, the price of a cup of tea has shot up by one-third since before the crisis. Oh, my goodness. Um, Iceland's The demonstrators accused the government of not doing enough to regulate the banking industry and have called for early elections. Uh, however, Iceland's next election is not required until, until 2011. Um, yeah. I could, you know, I could go on and on and on. Okay. You know, but I think you could... That's what I get out of that story, is that Iceland... The people suddenly realize what's been done to them, mm-hmm. and the United States, with all of our media resources and everything. I mean, I, to me, I have such an air of helplessness when I watch the news now. We had our shot at the election mm-hmm. to tell them what we thought about the bailout, and as far as I know, most of the people who voted for the bailout were voted right back in, and probably a, a good portion of the people we know are the ones that voted for them. Yeah. I had a conversation with... Um with somebody, and they just they were just going on and on and on about the good things somebody had done. 
when and they're totally person. unleashed right now, they'll give a bailout to absolutely anybody want. There's nothing good yeah. that can be said about that Citibank bailout, well, in my knowledge. Sure, sure. Nothing and good. And at the time of this, at the time of this, um, at the time of this recording, uh, the the cost is 7.7 trillion plus another 800 billion that just got added today, and two more lending facilities that have thus thus far been unnamed. You know, little Debbie might have a bailout by the time we the thing airs. Somebody's got to bail out the little the little chocolate cakes. Well, we need to have a future quake bailout. That's what I. I know. We need to pull everybody out our futurians. Uh, um, would you like something a little cheerier? Sure. All we're right, always we're always cheer. big on cheer here. Yeah, <laughs> trying to pick up people. Uh, uh, Bush pushes last minute laws. Uh, from Yahoo Newsroom. With just 60 days left in his tenure, you might think W's lame duck administration was sitting around relieved another guy was taking over. Mm-hmm. And Bush counting the minutes to his flight leaves for Crawford. Not quite. Uh, based on the flurry of quiet directives coming from the White House, uh, it looks like the Bush goose uh, isn't quite cooked yet. Um, for what has come a uh, kind of presidential rite of passage, the president or the federal agencies that answer to him, have been pushing through a series of last-minute regulations that have the force of law, everything from pollution controls to family leave standards. Uh, And you thought your high school government teacher said the Congress made all the laws. These de facto laws are called midnight rules or midnight regulations because they happen at the end or midnight period of an administration. If the rules are published in the Federal Register by Friday, November 21st, It'll be very hard for President-elect Obama to reverse when he gets in the office. That's assuming, of course, that he has any intention of, of reversing them at all. If he did. But why would you even say in the Constitution that Congress is to legislate if you have a out that pretty much can be exploited sure. for whatever? Well, well, I think it's important to note that, that the Constitution is not there originally to limit powers, the, the government power. The Constitution was established to expand government powers. Think about it. As, as such, we had the Articles of Confederation, which basically left for no federal government power, and then the Constitution was there expanding those government Somebody's powers. Somebody's been reading some books. Uh, actually, uh, I had lunch with uh, Brother Tom, and he yeah. he laid that on me, and I was like, wow. The, the, I never that that about is it true. Like that. The, the Articles of Confederacy were much, featured a much weaker government, mm-hmm. and if you look at most of our high school textbooks, they talk about that as being some shortcoming of them that had to be remedied by the Federalists with the Constitution. You're right. Now, even taking the Constitution at its far-sweeping increase in powers, it is still far, far more restrictive than what we see happening oh, now. Oh yeah, this is this is like you know this is this anything is goes socialism. This is anything goes here. Uh, just a few points. Uh, uh, according to senior research fellow at George Mason University, most midnight regulations cater to special interest, and that's why they are hurried into effect without the usual checks and balances. I'm assuming they do some of these things because they don't have to be reelected. But yeah. Why don't they take course. it out on their party? Why don't they take it out on their party, and in, in whether it's Republican or Democrat? Well, it's because they, um, they're they less than um, honorable. I well, I um, see. The New Yorker's Elizabeth Colbert says Carter's whirlwind of last-minute activity before Ronald Reagan took office is when the practice got named. Uh, George Bush doesn't get the award for the most rules shoved uh, – through after the two-minute warning either. That goes to Bill Clinton, who, according to DeRuji, set the record for number of last-minute pages published in the Federal Register at more than 26,000. Wow. Um, so what are some of the rules? I'll just summarize here. Uh, Wall Street Journal reports that the rules open the way for commercial development of oil shale on federal land, allow truckers to drive for longer periods. That's good. So we can have good, sleepy, you know, wiped-out yeah. truckers. Uh, and add certain restrictions to employee time off under the Family Medical Leave Act. 
they run the gamut, uh, gamut, but the ones getting the most press are environmentally focused. Uh, L.A. Times says environmentalists are angry by a host of loosened safeguards. Um, he's Bush has announced rules to speed oil shale development across 2 million acres in the West. Uh, scheduled an auction for drilling rights alongside three national parks. Um, you know, after all this debate they have and all this stuff, behind closed doors they do stuff that completely negates the, the whole sure. debate that yeah, they had. Totally, totally. It's they're just they're just criminal. In fact, in fact, I was talking to my boss today. Uh, who is a very conservative individual, and he was hopping mad. And I said, what's going on? And he said, George Bush just pardoned 13 people. And I said, yeah, a, a lot of presidents do that. And he said, there's nothing special about these guys. They're just like drug dealers and stuff. And I said, really? He said, yeah. yeah and he was he, he named a bunch of people, and they were just people that happened to know the president who got into mm -hmm. trouble. And well, Mark Rich was the ultimate one that people think of who was a criminal who – Got off because he was a buddy with Clinton. Uh, yeah. Let me just – one last one here that's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the administration undercut a clean air rule aimed at curb curbing childhood lead, po childhood lead poisoning. The EPA had planned to require lead monitors next to any factory admitting at least a half ton of lead a year. But after the White House intervened, the agency raised the threshold to a ton of lead or more. Great. Uh, so you can at least get a ton of lead in the air. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm not big on government intervention, but with a libertarian hat on – if you're pumping junk, it's coming over my territory where I breathe, then that becomes a property rights issue. So, you know. Well, myself, I'm very big on government interve intervention, as in like the people intervene on the government and then shut it down. Right. Um, you so, sound like an anarchist. Well, it's not anarchy. It's just right. bringing it back to uh, limited government. You know, the legal framework of the Constitution. I don't think that's. Uh, well, you know anarchist. who I'd like to? What I'd like to bring in? Merv. Merv. Merv, come in and tell our listeners how they can uh, let us know of, what they think. About speaking of intervention, yeah. <laughs> what they think about FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're down the last 10 seconds or so. Okay, comments? Well, uh, folks, we enjoyed having you here on the uh, Friday's uh, Review of the News, and uh, until next time. Uh, be good. Thank you for the privilege of letting us uh, come into your radios or Internet. And please tell everybody you know to listen to our show, too. So until next week when we've got another new great guest, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Sweeping it like a fresh new breeze Let the